check it out. Un-territory. Ain't nobody been there. You understand? Undiscovered. So call somebody and tell somebody. There's a new day, and there's also a new sheriff in the town. A lot of things will be exposed real soon. Love you. Be good. promoters welcome to episode 163 of the uncharted territory podcast my name is Corey olson and i'll be leading our discussion tonight we have three of the regular team members with us tonight unfortunately Stu lowry is not with us he's a little bit under the weather um you know some holiday sickness going around so we wish him well hope he can be back with us soon we we already miss him uh but here in the maplewood twin cities minnesota area we finally got a taste of winter no snow on christmas but uh december 30th we got our first uh, snow. I mean, technically, you'd had snow before that, but our first sticking snow, not much, though. Just a little dusting on the ground uh, just made the roads a little bit icy. Um, so, you know, the winter is here, uh, kind of in those temperatures, the 20s, a little bit of th 30s today. Uh, not terrible. Could be worse, and I'm okay with that. I still get a few more days of vacation here as we're recording. My three youngest kids go back to school tomorrow, but my oldest son and I have a few more days off. We're heading to Milwaukee this Friday for a wrestling tournament for the weekend. Should be a lot of fun and good experience for our team. Well, let's head out to Buffalo, New York and check in with Tim Dalton. Tim, how are you tonight? I'm doing fine, Corey. A happy new year to, to you and our listeners. Um, you know, the uh, the weather here in Buffalo has been uh, a little bit chillier. We have we have dipped down into the 30s. Uh, I think it was about 37 degrees today um, and windy. You know, I was out and it, uh, it was definitely a little chilly because the wind was whipping around a little bit. So um, still not a lot of snowfall, but, uh, you know, little little dribs and drabs here and there. I do have an interesting, uh, well, at least I think it's interesting, mm. uh, Buffalo weather note that uh, if you look at combined snowfall for November and December, the average snowfall in Buffalo is 31 inches. Okay. For, for November and December total. Okay. Okay. Uh, in 2022, because we had a monstrous storm right around uh, uh, Christmas, mm. it was 102 inches. <laughs> And for 2023, in the warmest recorded December in Buffalo history, we had eight inches. Wow. <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been a very, you know, knock on wood, mild winter uh, thus far. Although, you know, we, we know something's around the corner. So, right. Um, but but still, you know, overall, pretty, pretty good for Buffalo. We'll sure. take it. OK, well, good. I'm good. looking around the corner. Yes. You got me nervous. You're OK. It's Ken. coming. I'll, I'll let you know. Somebody's behind you. Look out. <laughs> well, I, got a, I got a destroyer mask over here. Yep. Mask over here. Yep. And you got you got some baseball bats, so you never know an intruder yeah. could grab one of your mini bats. I need to whack some people with a mole. Yeah. Well, uh he, he already spoke here, but go ahead, Chad Olson down in Gilbert, Iowa. How oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Interesting no. discourse, Tim and his weather facts of Buffalo, New York. Oh shit. <laughs> sorry. Everybody wake up now. <laughs> <laughs> I what I thought 
you know, I was going to give Tim a compliment because he talked about 102 inches, 31 inches, and 8 inches, and that's all very impressive. Yes, it is. Tim, come on, smile, Timmy. I just thought that's an impressive amount of inches. Anyways, yeah, what do you want? It hasn't fucking snowed here yet. <laughs> it's like it's like fall around here. There's dead leaves that my neighbors didn't pick up still blowing around. Oh, man. So that's okay. I mulch. Oh, uh, it's okay. I thought about actually mowing yesterday, so just so I could say I mowed in January, but then wow. I decided that's a stupid stat. Yeah. So uh, I didn't want to do that. So <laughs> things are fine here. It's just... It's just chilly and windy, but uh, no snow yet. We had a lot of rain on Christmas Day and on December 26th and on Christmas Eve. Yes, but okay. it was a lovely Christmas. Excellent. Very good. Very good. Well, speaking of Christmas, we'll just kind of go around the Zoom room here and just kind of give a quick recap of our, our holidays, festivities, activities, any ivities we want to share. Um, Chad, let's go back to you. How was your holiday? Oh, it was lovely. Here, I'm going to show you one thing I got that mm -hmm. I was super excited about. It's called A Disturbance in the Force. It's about the, the making of the much maligned Star Wars holiday special. Ah. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, but I'm pretty excited to watch this. Uh, and what else? Oh, Emily got this super cool thing. Because I, I wear earbuds, usually like one of my ears when I sleep. So I have some constant white noise going because sure. otherwise the ringing my ears overpowers me. Right. Um, and I had seen this thing online. It looked pretty awesome. So it's a headband that has headphones built into it. Hmm. These little skinny, like they're about the size of poker chips, I think. So you put the headband on so I don't have any have earbuds falling out. I can sleep on either side. Super nice. cool. So yeah, that's that's been awesome. Although it does kind of slide down. So it's also, it's kind of like a blindfold. And then she said something about there's attachment for a ball gag, but I don't, I haven't seen that yet. So I, I don't know. Maybe she's trying to put me out of her misery. Yeah. But yes, the holidays were lovely. We went to our parents' house on Christmas Eve. And uh, and then on Christmas Day, we drove over to Dubuque, Iowa, site of Ribble Rumble 2024 and 2023. And um, saw Emily's family for a couple days. Went Made a couple stops at uh, Seven Flags Brewery, a favorite of the River Rumble. Or Seven Hills, not Seven Flags. I think that's seven. a fucking amusement park. Uh, seven it's Hills. one six, better than Six, six Flags. flags. <laughs> it's one better. God, I am turning into Midscoff. <laughs> yep. We knew it was bound to happen. <laughs> oh, shit. It's going to happen on all many, of us. I had many a non-decaffeinated beverage there and some alcoholic ones. And it's nice. just, just delicious food, some good beer. And yeah, it was a good time. So, oh, I have to tell you. So, at a... Uh, Three Flags, no, what's it called? Three three Mile, the Three Mile House in Scenic, Wisconsin. There's a lot Wisconsin. of flags going on in these stories. Miles, yeah. hills, flags. Three Mile Island is what I like to call it. Three mm -hmm. Mile House in Hazel Green, Wisconsin. It's called Three Mile House because it's three miles from the border. Um, That's where I have, those are my favorite old fashions in the world. It's a Wisconsin supper club. Mm. So my mother-in-law always takes us there. Her and her, her uh, companion are our uh, regulars there they know, know them by name and this year they made um they purchased an entire barrel of brandy that was made at a, a place in baraboo wisconsin the distillery mm. up there mm -hmm. and they uh, the owner was telling me all about it they went and got four barrels and they sampled four barrels mm -hmm. they picked the one they wanted it had been soaked four years in a brandy barrel one year in a whiskey barrel mm. and then um 
they sold them. So they're labeled as whatever this distillery's name is, but this has got a special sticker on it for Three Mile House because that's the only place you can buy it. Cool. So she bought me one of those and it came with a commemorative glass for uh-huh. Christmas. And I hadn't opened it. We got I got that on Christmas. So then on the 26th, we went over there to have dinner as we are wont to do. And um, I had one at the bar. I'm like, oh, this is good. I mean, it was it was damn good. So I had to buy another bottle. So that'll be my special occasion, Brandy. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll share some with you guys at the yes. TNT Hall of Fame next year. And we'll have some. Oh, there you go. I would love some brandy. Maybe you have to be very nice to me. Do, do we have to wait till next year? It's actually or this year. This year. Oh, okay. 2024. Well, next year. 2024. Yes. Art Anderson just announced for TNT Hall of Fame Yay. in 2024. There you go. It's Not 2027 signed. flags, I think, is the, the, <laughs> the, is the year we're waiting for. Very good. It is. Well, thank you, Chad. Good to hear that. Sounds like a very uh, memorable holiday and some good oh, spirits. It was just lovely. Good. How about you, Tim? You know, I went from having no plans to in within 24 hours having plans for Christmas Eve and Christmas uh, pretty much booked. Um Christmas Eve, I went to morning church service and there was no lightning strike and no one died. Um, but I went to a morning church service with uh, Kurt Wait a Beyer. Wait a minute. That's why there's no snow. Hell has yeah. frozen over <laughs> and all the snow is in hell instead of Buffalo. There you go. <laughs> wow. But, uh, but I went, I, so I went with uh, Kurt Beyer and then cool. uh, Chris and Chris, Chris Beyer and Chris Jones, okay. uh, her husband uh, from, from Park Golf. Uh, and then we wound up going to a little diner for breakfast. So that was really oh. nice. And then uh, uh, I usually do Christmas Eve dinner at a friend of mine's house. And uh, so she has usually like five of us, five people total uh, over there. It's her brother, her son, and then a couple, you know, a couple people that she knows. So went over there and had it just stuffed my face. She she puts out like seven or eight courses. And I mean, it's mm. a huge meal. Um, so that was really nice. And then on uh, Christmas did an early dinner of Chinese food at the golden duck in Williamsville, New York, hmm. uh, with Kurt and Chris. Um, so that was really cool, you know, and, uh, unfortunately Chris's husband couldn't be there. So we got to talk some wrestling stuff. So I, you know, nice. cause I don't like to talk wrestling when he's there because he's not a wrestling guy, but since they're <laughs> wrestling family, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, picked up a few, a uh, couple wrestling things, picked up a book on Hawaii, um, uh, 50 estate, big time wrestling. Um, which is more of a coffee table book than like a historical document, but uh, it's still pretty cool. A mm-hmm. um, couple new mystery novels, and I bought myself a new crepe pan. I don't mm. make crepes, but I like them because they're thin, they heat up fast, and yep. it's it's kind of my all-purpose uh, cooking pan now. So, cool. um, so yeah, so that's mm-hmm. oh, there you go. There you go. Emily but I, but I just like so my old one, the, the non-stick coating had become a stick coating. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what you put in there, something was going to stick to it. So, um, so that, that, that was it. So that, that, uh, not a, not a bad haul for, uh, for Christmas. Nice. Very good. Uh, Christmas around here was just nice and low key. Um, we had, uh, I think three church services between Christmas Eve and Christmas day. Uh, we were uh, participated in all of them. Three and uh, two days. Uh, yeah, yeah. Christmas Eve morning, we had the children's service. And then Christmas Eve afternoon slash evening was uh, kind of the candlelight service. And uh, we were all active in, in some part of the services. And then Christmas morning, I think we actually all got to sit together for the whole service, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I had some gifts. We had some. We had a nice little appetizer buffet for Christmas night. Um, 
My wife said she wanted to pick out the appetizers this year. She said she wanted some variety. <laughs> so she went to Trader Joe's and got mozzarella sticks, macaroni breaded bites, um, cheese curds that were breaded. <laughs> and she didn't realize it until she started. We, st we started actually having the food. She's like, there's a lot of bread and cheese here. <laughs> were, were the boxes not labeled? I She just grabbed things that looked good and didn't really think about it. So, <laughs> um, and we had, we had some other things in there too, but uh, a nice little, nice little spread. Uh, got to see a few movies. We'll talk about one of them over break. And, you know, after I said a few months ago, I hadn't been to the theater in about 10 years. And the last few months I've kind of made up for that, been to several movies in the theater, got to see three in one week. Um, so good, a good uh, selection of films. And uh, yeah, other than that, we've had wrestling practices over break. As I said, we're going to be heading to Milwaukee. Uh, for a tournament, the first out-of-state tournament we've done in a few years. So we're looking forward to that good experience uh, for our for our wrestlers. Well, uh, let's talk about one of those movies that uh, the three of us all got to see, and that was The Iron Claw, of course, the biopic about the Von Erich family. Uh, I went on Christmas night uh, to a 10-15 showing. It was kind of a little Christmas present uh, from Jackie to me. Um, you know, she didn't want to see it, and I don't blame her. Um, my, my younger son likes pro wrestling, but I was not going to take him to this movie <laughs> and, uh, just knew it wasn't, it wasn't the time for that. So didn't really have anybody else who I thought in the area would want to see it with me. So went on my own, two other people in the theater that night, you know, not, not too surprising on Christmas night for a 10, 15 show. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it, I guess it was, uh, you know, it's hard as a wrestling fan to watch a wrestling movie and you want to point out some of the timeline inaccuracies and those kind of things. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know how much I want to give away for those that haven't seen it, but given it was about the Von Erich family, there was... Does one... anyone die? <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler Tim, how did you ventriloquist and makes you sound just, you sound just like me? I didn't yeah. say that. Tim said that. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, it's, it's like a Shakespeare play. It's just like everybody dies at the yep. end. You know, yep. that's, that's the way it is. Yep. <laughs> um, wasted the good surprise on you. Yeah. Uh, but there was one big omission, and uh, I mean, not, maybe not a big one, but an omission that's kind of part of the story that I thought, you know, especially if fans didn't know the story, it might kind of add a little more to it. I mean, granted, it's a sad story all around. Um, what, what omission is that? Because you said something in a text mm -hmm. about that, and I just would like to know what omission you're talking about. They never mentioned Chris Von Erich. I know. That, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that so was, spoiler, my, that spoiler. was what I thought. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, and, and a lot of fans know that MJF kind of his part was pretty much eliminated as Lance Von Erich. You saw him for about maybe five seconds in one scene. Um, but no, no mention at all of Chris Von Erich. They had, they had pictures of the, the Von Erich boys with uh, with Doris and Fritz. Um, you know, of course, the actors playing them. And then one with, um, with uh, Jack Jr., who died young. And they mentioned him. But yeah, no mention of Chris whatsoever. Um, so that was, you know, again... I, I, I kind of get it, but it, again, it does add to the story and he, you know, that, that kind of surprised me, but uh, I, I'm sure it was hard to kind of narrow things down for so many things that were part of that. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, that, you know, I, I, I'm glad I saw it. I, I didn't want to wait too long to see it and uh, enjoyed it. And it was, it was kind of fun to see and good, very good to see our friend James Beard uh, featured regularly on the screen. Love seeing James up there and uh, very glad he could get to be a part of that. Uh, Tim, you went and saw it. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I I didn't really like it. Um, James Beard was the best part. I mean, I was always I was always <laughs> looking for him as the ref, and like every time they they do match stuff, I'd always look for him. Um, I, I just thought that they they did a poor job of of telling the story about how how over 
the Von Erichs were in Texas. I mean, mm-hmm. they showed like the big the big crowd at David's funeral, but I mean, they didn't they didn't get over some of the things that they would have needed to, I think, to to make the story a little bit more, you know, impactful. Right. Um, but as a wrestling fan, you know, all this stuff. And and so it's not that bad. Um, but I mean, they easily could have added like another half hour onto that movie. Oh, yeah. You know, to kind of tell some of the stories and get the get the Lance von Eric stuff and about the kind of the decline of the the world class area too. Yeah. Um, you know, and and then uh, I thought, uh, you know, for the casual fan or somebody that doesn't know the whole story, it's not a good big picture. I guess right. that was my my uh, take on it. And I also was wondering, I'm like, where where the hell's Chris? It's like, yeah. and then. And I, I wasn't really overly happy with the movie. And, and honestly, for like the last 20 minutes to a half hour, I was just sitting there waiting for it to end um, because I kind of, I you know where things are going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wasn't overly, I mean, it was okay, but I, I, I guess I was a little disappointed that they didn't uh, do a little bit more kind of broad, broader brush painting of, you know, like how important this was in that area and what, what right. big superstars these guys were. Right. But other yeah. than that, I thought it was okay. It was okay, but I, you know, if you're not gonna, if you haven't seen it and you're on the fence, I, I don't think there's a reason to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, talking about the last half hour or so. Again, going to a late night showing, it's about twelve thirty by this point for me, and I'm like, yeah, I, I you know, I want to get this done. <laughs> so yeah, I was kind of feeling that way too. Chad, I mean, I went in with extremely low expectations, knowing that it wasn't super historically accurate, so. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I thought it was entertaining, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, as a wrestling fan, if you're going to sit there, and I'm not, like, discounting anything you guys said. If you go in and just go and, you know, it's a fine movie about wrestling, you know? It's not It's not historically accurate in any way, shape, or form. I texted James Beard um, on our, our hall of fame group chat that we have and, and said, Hey, that was, you know, great job. It was great to mm-hmm. see you. And he's like, and he even said it was fun to be in a movie. It was entertaining. If you look at it, that it's not historically accurate, you know, it's not a documentary. Right. And I read something. Um, they, they said at the beginning, it, it wasn't even based on a true story. It was inspired by a true that's story. That's a good point. Tim. So that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I read something with the director over the past couple of days and he said, you know, they talked about, he went to Kevin and said, hey, we're not going to put Chris in this mm. because three suicides will be super damn depressing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And and Kevin's like, I understand, you know, and, and Kevin didn't have any rights of approval. He could have done whatever the hell he wanted. Mm. But he, he prepped Kevin for that just because, you know. Okay. But, um, but I, I did I, one thing I will say, and and Kurt Beyer had seen the movie. Uh, Kurt and Chris had seen it, and and they, we were talking about it over when we had our early dinner. And Kurt said, you know, whoever that guy that that plays Fritz von Erich, who you've seen the oh, million movies, shit. yeah, he said he walks like Fritz, he talks like yes. Fritz. He said when they did the ring, the scene in the ring early in the movie with him in black yeah. and white, he said yep. he, he he worked like Fritz. And I thought he did. I really thought he did a great job. Mm-hmm. I, yes. I thought that that was outstanding. Yeah, and and uh, Maura Tierney, the the actress who plays Doris. Doris, she did a nice job too. I've always mm-hmm. liked her since ER. Uh, yeah. Um, and honestly, all I I think the gentleman who played David really looked like David the most. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, of Zach the Efron, I'm concerned about how many horses he's stuck in his ass to get that jacked <laughs> up because that yeah. whole opening scene where Oof. he's like getting out of bed and just slowly going over his yep. body is beefcake. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, you could just see all the back knee on him. It's like, he oh, yeah, have so much juice. Um, and then the guy who played Carrie, aside from him being too short, yeah, I thought did a good job as Carrie. And you know what? You know whose opinion I trust in that? James Jeffries. Yep. And James, <laughs> I went to the movie with James. I was the second time James had seen it. And uh, he he said that he did a great job as Carrie. You know, we, we debriefed after the movie over a few libations. And uh, um, he did a great job. He just wasn't quite big enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And I I thought the guy who played Mike did a really good job. I don't think feel like he resembled him that much, but he did a great yeah. job of portraying a, a person like Mike. You know, right? I, I have limited experience with Mike von Eric. Yeah. But for somebody whose first love wasn't wrestling, he liked music instead. All this stuff. He did mm-hmm. a good job of portraying somebody who's kind of thrown into something by his dad. Right. Right. Yeah. Good point. But yeah, that oh, gentleman yeah. who played Fritz von Eric. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. And. The guy who played kind of the Bill Mercer takeoff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The cadence, everything sounded good. Yep. Now, on the opposite end, Ric Flair was a steaming heap of shit. That guy yeah. was terrible. That was, he was <laughs> that terrible. He couldn't even he, woo right. He wouldn't no, like woo. He couldn't. Yeah. That right. was the worst woo ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And he didn't have any of the, I mean, you know, the only thing you need to, if you're going to be Flair, I mean, you just got to have some kind of interview ability. And he just did not have anything. I mean, yeah. he, we were talking like the it's hair like just, was wrong. I mean, the, the hair. Ric Flair interview. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but he no. He, you're right, Tim. He didn't look like him either. No. Yeah, I think I think I think the hair was a little bit out of whack on on some of these folks. But I, I mm-hmm. you know, I I remember Kurt had told me the, he says he says first of all he says ignore the hair on all of them. <laughs> he says because the hair's not right on pretty much anybody. Yeah. He says, just just watch the movie. Hair. I thought David, David too. David was the closest. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, well, I said, I think I texted you guys too with Flair. You know, the same thing on the. If you watch Young Rock, if you watch that show, anytime they had a Ric Flair on, he was terrible. I mean, you just can't do Ric Flair. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to imitate. Yep, yep. There's there's an article out online about how the the actors defending his portrayal of Ric Flair, Aaron oh. Dean Eisenberg. I don't know what he's been in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here I'm looking. We're googling. He has been in. Uh, I don't know. He's some Jay Brown. Yeah. All right. Well, fans, you know if you if you've seen the Iron Claw, uh, feel free to leave your comments, your reviews on on our discussion board post for this episode. Uh, we're going to go to a couple of listener questions uh, for this episode tonight. Uh, one of them has been from our faithful friend and uh, listener, Kevin the Butcher, uh, who sent in this question a couple of weeks ago. And thank you, Kevin, for your patience, as we wanted to make sure we spent a good amount of time on your question. So, Kevin, oh, Chad. You know what this guy's been in? Yeah, what has he been in? 26 things on IMDb, and I've never heard of any of them. Of course. Right, right. Yep. Proceed. Thank you. So Kevin sends in this question. He says, who are your top five wrestlers who were set to win a world title but didn't due to either tragedy, injury, or backstage politicking? And that's a very good question, Kevin. Um, Tim, why don't you kick us off? You know, I kind of looked at this a little differently. I mean, I, I kind of ignored what he asked and just asked my own question. Uh, <laughs> That's a better which, question. Which, which, which I do three anyway. Three weeks. <laughs> and it's not yep. Kevin. It's just mm-hmm. any, you know, I mean, okay, so this is your question. So let me mm-hmm. answer Let me answer this other question. 
mm-hmm. um, about just like five guys that never won the world title that might've made an interesting world champion, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily someone who was set to win it, but then sure. didn't, but, um, but, but just did. So, mm-hmm. um, and I guess it def- depends on how you define world championships. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to include the WWA title out of, out of Los Angeles because at sure. the time that was covered in the magazines as a, as a major like world title. Absolutely. Um, so then you you know you can scratch guys like Blassie and Destroyer and and mm-hmm. people like Bobo Brazil and and people like mm-hmm. that off the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the five that I came up with were uh, in no specific order: uh, Ted DiBiase, Antonino Rocca, The Sheik, mm. Wilbur Snyder, and Johnny Valentine. Mm. Those are the five that I kind of um, just thought about. I thought that, and you know, all in the game, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, DiBiase, just the, the time just never seemed right for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocket didn't need a belt because he was just the most over guy in the freaking world. Right. Um, the Sheik may not have been a good world champion because how do you go in and face somebody else's villain? Although he's done it, you know, other times. But right. um, Wilbur Snyder, again, just maybe that was timing. Um, and Johnny Valentine, I mean, he's always on the list of like, you know, the greatest wrestlers that that never won a world title. And and I think he would have been a really good world champion if he would have been able to to hold the belt for a while back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good list there, Tim. Thank you. Chad, who are your top five? Um, so I actually asked Mr. Butcher about this a little more, and I kind of did stick to his intent, but um I said we're not counting the WCW World International title that Rick Rude won from Ric Flair. And then yeah. that went into kind of a, a downward spiral roll about not liking WCW at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Rick Rude. So I would not consider that belt he won a world championship. Mm-hmm. And if you do, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say he his career was cut short by injury. Um, so, uh, that's that. I would also have Ted DiBiase on that list too. And I think, you know, sticking to Kevin's question, I think that is backstage politicking. It's just on, on the scale of the NWA board, you know? Right. I mean, some have hypothesized that him and Flair and, and David Von Erich were going to flop the title all around, uh, hmm. um, you know, during the 80s. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. He, di- he didn't get the belt, so he didn't end up with the votes. Right. You know? So that that's definitely politics at play there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say uh, David Von Erich. Um, I mean, it certainly seemed like he was poised to to win the title um, before his uh, untimely passing. Um, I would also say Magnum TA. Mm-hmm. Although... Again, many have hypothesized. Maybe, uh, you know, would would Dusty have let anyone beat Ric Flair? Right, <laughs> Except right. For him? Yeah, you know. So it's hard to say. Um, and then finally, I'm going to say, and I, this is one that falls under politics. Um, when Booker T was facing Triple H in the WWF, yeah, and they built up to that WrestleMania match, you know, Booker didn't win the belt. He obviously he was a five time, five time, five time, five time, five time world champion, but he didn't win at that time. And that really seemed like a time 
that he should have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't run the WWE. Because if I did, I'd be sitting in a better studio than this. <laughs> but I'd... So, you know, it's easy to be armchair booker, but that just seemed like it was time that fans really wanted it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, the one, I mean, you know, more recently, I mean, Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was like, okay, well, he's going to win it from Roman Reigns in 2024. Well, shit, after yeah, last night, it doesn't look like yeah. he's even wrestling Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know? it's like right. Yeah. You're wondering what his program is because right now it's looking like Rollins is, is fighting Punk and, yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, what's in Roman's fighting The Rock. So, right. yeah. Right. So, so who knows? I mean, you know, you can do these slow bills and sometimes it works, but man, sometimes there's kind of lightning in a bottle or things just line up that might, you know, they've been trying to do rock and Roman Reigns for a few years now. Yeah. So Cody might have to wait another year. Well, and I kind of wonder, I'd kind of heard a while ago with Cody that if they got rock, they were going to try to stretch out Roman's reign so that he beats Hogan's reign and then have Cody beat him in like 2025 or whenever. Oh dear. So I mean, but is it going to mean as much by that? I don't know. I don't. I mean, yeah. it could. I think I mean, it, I, if they do it right. But the the problem is you're 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 waiting on it, you know. And and right. did you know does does Cody cool off over that time period? Right. right. You know whether yeah, he's right. booked properly or not. I mean, he can still cool off in in another year right. or two, oh, or yeah. a year right. and a half. You know, for sure, for sure. Right. So you're 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 taking that risk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You know, kind of doing that, and that's. And then, Okay. I'd like to have one honorable mention, mm-hmm. if allowed. Sure. And this is just kind of a fun one because I don't think it's. It, it it was popular with my children because I have vivid memories of my twins when they were probably two or three, sitting on the couch, and Ryback would come on and they mm. would chant, "Feed me more!" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right and yes. Wow. He is a lunatic. He's oh, yeah. kind of a ding dong now these days. Mm-hmm. But you know what? At the time, Ryback was pretty freaking cool. <laughs> and he was over. He was over big. He yeah. was over. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yep. That's, that's a good top. one. That's my top five. Plus a couple honorable mentions for you, Kevin, because that's what we do here. Excellent. Good. And I'm glad you brought up that Booker T one, Chad, because I, I I was very actively watching WWE at that time. Um, and I remember that that WrestleMania. You're right. You know, I think. Yeah. I think a big part of it was because they had just signed Goldberg. They didn't want to like, you know, put it on Booker and then have him lose it back. But I don't know, given how quickly they changed titles in the last 20 years or so, I, I don't think it would have been the worst thing in the world to do that. But yeah, he was, he, the way that storyline went, he should have won the title. So that, that is a good call. Well, that's just it. That's what's kind of hard in, because yeah. in, you know, the what early two thousands until about the last four or five years, mm-hmm. yeah, titles changed all the time. Right. None of oh, yeah. it matters. So right. in a time like that, or when the Miz was feuding with Jerry Lawler, mm-hmm. the Miz was world yeah. champ, and they had that ladder match. And you yep. was am I getting this confused with Brian Daniels? No, they had a ladder match. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, you know, you thought Lawler might finally win, you know, right. why not let Lawler win the world title in Memphis? Yeah. Like yeah. who cares? Right. You can go yeah. to SmackDown the next night and Miz can freaking give him his finisher nine times and pin him yep yep let him have his one night or you know when you thought uh flair was going to win the belt from triple h and in, in mm. charlotte or greensboro, greensboro or yeah got mm-hmm. a final match you know it's like what does it matter yeah yeah it's like you can't it, it seems kind of weird to say oh we're protecting the integrity of the title when it's you know i saw mick foley lose the wwf title 
24 hours, less than 24 hours after he won it. Right. From Steve Austin in Minneapolis that came to Ames the next night for a raw taping. Yep. You know, so it it just seems it depends on who's who's in charge, who's booking. Yeah. That they whip out that title integrity. Yep. Yes. Yep, for sure. Um, so my top five, we're gonna see some crossover here with Tim and Chad. And I'm not these aren't in any particular ranking or order. I too would mention Magnum TA. Um, you know, I kind of wonder, I mean, would it have been one of those things like where once he got the belt, it wouldn't have been the same. You know, he kind of loses some steam with the belt. I don't, it's hard to say, but uh, obviously we'll, we'll never know on that one. Um, you know, kind of related to the movie, but David Von Erich, I mean, I've always kind of thought that he's just so talented. You know, he had that, that good size and it was good in the ring. Um, you know, uh, what you wonder, how long would the NWA have let him hold the title? Would have been kind of a, a Tommy Rich, Dusty Rhodes type of situation, or would he have gotten more time with it? Um, you know, he did, did some work in Florida as a heel and, you know, he could definitely branch out. Um, I'd say he was the most versatile of the Bon Eric brothers. Uh, I'll too mention Ted DiBiase. I mean, both, you know, his early days in the eighties and then, you know, well, even watching him as the million dollar man in WWF. Um, I mean, that was the plan that he would get the belt originally at that WrestleMania tournament, but the honky tonk man kind of screwed that up a little bit. So, <laughs> um, you know, just, you just got to wonder uh, how that would have gone. I think he would have done well. Uh, with a year reign or so as as a heel champion and um you know i think i think that could have i think that could have been very successful um wahoo mcdaniel you know i don't know if he was ever really seriously considered to be in line for the nwa title probably not i'm guessing but kind of almost like raka or Sheik, one of those guys who didn't need the title maybe a little bit of a, of a local draw or just a, a star that didn't need it but uh such a talent in the ring and just so legitimate and serious um just you know he he, he could have had it and, and i think one, back then mm-hmm. too you know the nwa because that was one of the knocks on fritz you know because fritz right. and i mean in the movies like oh they screwed me out of the title right i mean one of the one of the knocks you know the nwa had was that they hey we don't want a gimmick guy in there right you know is, is, is the champion gimmick <laughs> yeah, yeah that gimmick may you know it, it played and it, it played then yeah. more than it, yeah. it would now obviously mm-hmm. um but uh, but they didn't they didn't want you know guys that were kind of gimmick guys even though Wahoo wasn't a gimmick he was a Native American but right um, they they just didn't seem to want those kind of guys being the the title holder yeah that's a good point good point um, and then my fifth one I know from reading the Observer um, kind of going back to some observers in the early nineties he was at least considered uh, for a run with the WCW title and that was Dustin Rhodes. Um, I know, you know, Chad mentioned kind of the, the international, the gold belt and that whole, the two titles lineage, you know, there was some talk around 93 of Dustin being the one to unify those belts and that they would maybe go with him for a while. And, you know, you see the end of 93, he loses the U S title to Steve Austin and then just never really did much in 94. I mean, he kind of feuded with Colonel Parker's guys. He had, um, bunkhouse buck and then eventually blacktop bully. And then, which led to them both getting fired, but you just kind of wonder what happened there that he was in, in contention in serious contention and consideration, and then never really got anywhere close to it. Um, I always, I always enjoyed Dustin, you know, I thought he was a talented guy, kind of like a David Von Erich, tall guy and athletic, um, obviously hard coming out of dusty shadow, but, um, I think, you know, at that time in WCW, given where they were, I don't think that would have been that out of line to have him with the title for a while and just, you know, see what he could do with it. All right. Very good question, Kevin. 
Uh, we got two questions here from another faithful listener, Grant Pachoco, over at the Solo Promoter YouTube channel. The first one is for you, Tim. Uh, so two questions related to Destroyer Park Golf. Oh, well, I can I can definitely answer those. Excellent. So uh, and I think you might have talked about this before, but in case people missed it or, or in case things have changed, Grant asks, you have so many holes in one at Destroyer Golf. Have you ever made a hole in one on every hole in the park? Or are there one or two holes you haven't made a hole in one on yet? So the actually, Chad? Yes, Chad. Corey, we have to ask the question. How many holes are there? Oh, <laughs> I watched the match game marathon over the weekend. So I'm a little there you fantastic. go. Ready to That's lay fantastic. it. Fantastic. So, um, uh, so currently I have 22 holes in one. Um, and two, two of them are kind of unofficial because they were after the course had closed to the general public uh, hmm. last year. So, okay. so maybe officially I only have 20, but you know, it, it counts to me. So I'm saying 22. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What so um audit it <laughs> yeah yeah so i have uh so there the, the way the course is is designed there are eight par three holes there are eight par four holes and there are two par five holes i have at least one hole in one on all the eight par threes uh i have also gotten a whole hole in one on two of the par fours um, and I, I can't, unfortunately, I don't have a swing, uh, that that's good enough to get me to the green on the, on the par fives, which are each about a hundred yards long. Um, I can, I can get close, but I, I, I just can't, can't quite do it. So those are pretty much out of reach to me right now. Um, so I've got, I've got holes in one on, on 10 of the different holes, uh, of the 18 on the, on the course. Um, so that, that's kind of where I'm at. Hopefully I can get a couple more of those par fours, uh, you know, in the, in the coming year. Um, and we'll, we'll see how that goes, but yeah, so far only, only 10 of the 18, uh, I, I've got hope, but I've got, there's one, the shortest hole that's 33 yards. Uh, so like a hundred feet and I've got seven on that one. So, I mean, that, that kind of, you know, helps when you're, when you're just, uh, plopping those in. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that, that's pretty much the, the coverage that I have on the course. Okay. Maybe for those par five holes, you need to follow the advice of Chubbs Peterson to remember it's all in the hips. Ooh. Should watch some happy Gilmore. What? It is all in the hips. Is it Chubbs Peterson? I just Googled it to make okay. sure. Okay. Just make sure. Peterson? Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. It's Troy. <laughs> it's Troy's uncle Chubbs. Chubbs. He was a legend on the Lake Mills Rice Lake golf course. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, the next question from Grant is for all of us on the LOW team. He uh, asked about a card designing question. He said, how much do the basic rules factor into your work on a game card, if at all? He says, I was thinking that most of us probably play by the advanced rules, but wondered if the basic rules come into play when designing a card. Uh, Chad, any thoughts on this? I mean, not at all. I Yeah. I don't. I mean, right now. I would be hard depressed because I've been using the advanced rules for so long right? to be able to, I mean, I know obviously you don't use the finisher rating and the pin is the first number. That's a basic rules, right. but I think everything in parentheses is a advanced rule, right? Yes. Correct. Like agility, power, choices, right. yep. Cs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then no. Right. Right. I, I've never thought, oh man, that guy will be really strong. If you take that choice D off his level three, or I'm sorry, level one, number six, and he's mm -hmm. just got an uncovered three, that's never crossed my mind. 
Right. So that's a great question, Grant, but the it answer is. for me is no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tim, anything to add to that? Probably not. You know, I would say, yeah, very little. Um, the only time I think I've ever thought about it was when we're, we're putting like a, we're, we're covering somebody's level two offense, number five with a choice, mm -hmm. right? whether it's an F or a, or like a D. Mm -hmm. um, so it's whether it's a two or three move, right. um, maybe that then, but it doesn't really sink in because pretty much everybody, at least that I've seen uses the advanced rules. So that that's kind of how I always think of it. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I'd agree with Chad and Tim. Don't really have anything to add, but I do have a follow-up question related to Grant's question. Oh boy. Um, so for you two, longtime players, um, how long did you use the basic rules or at what point did you incorporate advanced rules? Um, Tim, why don't you start us off? I gotta be honest, I don't think I ever used the basic rules. I might okay. I might have just for like a couple unofficial matches, you know, mm -hmm. like when I first started playing, just to kind of get the hang of, you know going back and forth on the card. Cause they, they did have that one. What was it? The wolf versus executioner match mm. where they, they yeah. kind of went through some of that. Right. Um, so I might've used the basic rules just a couple of times to kind of get the, get the flavor. Um, but I think when I started playing, I was pretty sure I was using the advanced rules pretty the whole time. Okay. Okay. Chad. I would agree. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I remember again, you know, just think of that higher pin. And kind of walking through that sample match and stuff. So I would say those were probably matches as I was learning to teach myself to how to play the game. Nothing that's really canon in my Fed's history. Mm -hmm. It's not like I played my first 20 cards and had this epiphany. Right. You know, I, I just kind of waited. I mean, I just kind of figured it out. Mm -hmm. Now I'm trying to think if there's any that I adopted later. You know, like the choice chart or anything, but I think that's I what I'm thinking. I was trying to think too. I don't remember yeah. doing that. Like, I, I think I, I think I pretty much jumped in. I do remember that like originally I thought with the choice chart that you really could either do the move or roll on the chart. I did too. So you've had three options, which doesn't right. make a whole lot of sense no. <laughs> because if you had a sure thing, why would you roll to see if you had it? Right. Um but I, I, I mean, I got that kind of straightened out. Both yeah. Of them and I, I know like I never, like on the, like into the turnbuckle C mm -hmm. when it said roll on the previous level of offense, even though right. that was covered in the sample match, I figured, well, the previous level of offense was level two because that's what I was rolling on. Right. right. So I would roll again on level two offense. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. And I'm not, and that got cleared up for me. At, I believe at Galacticon one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I got taken to task on that. So um so up to that point uh which was you know what which was what like 2091 somewhere in right. that, that mm -hmm. range mm -hmm. uh i i had done it wrong I, I hadn't been rolling up to level one offense so okay i i think i did the same thing though well yeah when it said previous i thought it meant current yeah i can see <laughs> that, that the level you were yeah. on when you just yeah. made this roll mm -hmm. yeah yep yeah so and it didn't you know spoil our playing experiences and nobody took our games away so right you know I, I i interesting point though because I, I i know when i used to go down and play with with tom uh -huh. we, we'd set up like a card and and you know i'd go to jamestown and we'd kind of hang out and, and, and do a card at his dining room table um he would do an interesting thing in tag matches where if he got the like the end of the turnbuckle c uh -huh. he would move up to level one but then tag out to the mm. partner which okay. I thought was odd 
because I never did that. But mean? but I he he says I'm gonna I'm he says I'll roll up but I'm and tag to so and so and I was like, okay, well I'm not gonna argue with him because he created the game. Right. <laughs> but I didn't. I, I was gonna say I don't. I don't think you could do that. You know. But I, I never yeah. did that. I don't, I don't get what you're. Oh, so, so he wasn't. I see. So he wasn't really completing the offensive role for the guy who was in. Correct. Correct. He would, he would roll, he would, he would say, well, I'm going to roll up, but then he would bring the tag partner in. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I never thought about that. Which I never did. No. So I think it still do not, but yeah, I I feel like it's a rule that's not enforced a lot. Um, that, you know, you're supposed to, um, on a tag finisher, mm-hmm. the guy who has the move on his card is supposed to tag out after he does the move. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. that was in that rules supplement that came out about 2090 or so, I think. Mm-hmm. But then I have a kind of a house rule that if you're then the guy who came in has to do a move on offense before he can tag out. Mm-hmm. The same thing, like if that guy rolls a reversal, so somebody's getting beat on. And he rolls his reversal. He has to do one offensive move before he can tag out. Yep, yep. I do the that's, same that's thing. That's not a that, that wasn't a bad idea because I I just said well you know, okay so the other guy comes in but he's on level three offense so he's just going to tag right back out to the other guy. Well right. yeah, that's so never... did. Otherwise you'd be perpetually tagging in the guy with the tag finish all the time. Right, right, right. So right. I mean, and, and I I think that I think your rule is very good. It's more realistic. Um, mm-hmm. But I never I didn't do that one either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah, um, I know for me, so, you know, because Chad kind of introduced the game to me and taught me some of the basics. Um, I used finisher ratings and the lower pin ratings right away uh, with those the classic sets that we've talked about in the recent months, um, especially looking back with Wolf 2086 having that add one move like that, you know, you, you kind of needed almost needed to in a sense. Um, so and I was glad I did that. I liked that people had different strengths of finishers. Um, and, and, you know, I really, that made a lot of sense to me. Um, I, I incorporated agility and power, I think around the time I brought in the 2087 cards, at least the, the, uh, ag power reversals and kind of like Chad, I got confused on the choice chart too initially. And I think Chad was probably the one who corrected me on it as far as it's, you either use it or you don't, um, you know, and like Chad said, it doesn't make sense now that we know it, but being younger. And again, those 2087 cards, we didn't have rules in place for card structure so if a guy had like a two choice c or whatever it was you know i'd look at choice c and oh he's got the chance of hitting this three move so that's kind of where i saw it as Mm -hmm. um you know he could he's got three choices essentially um so that that one took me a while to to kind of incorporate that and i'm glad i do now because it it adds a lot to the game and i always Um, you know for that i always just Whatever, whatever the result is, mm-hmm. when, when I roll, I always mm-hmm. say that he did the move that's on the card. Absolutely. I don't, yeah. I don't use the, the move that's listed on the chart. Right. I just use the move that's on the card. Yeah, I've heard, I've seen people kind of complain about, oh, you know, the Iron Sheik has choice, I think choice C on the new chart is a moonsault for the stronger move. And he never did a moonsault. It's like, okay. No shit. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I thought that was a very, yeah, that was kind of a wasted comment. But no, um, <laughs> I mean, that's you. You got to improvise on promoters. I mean, yeah. you can't. We're not going to make seventy-five choices on the choice chart, especially for real-life wrestlers. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to. One of these seventeen that. moves. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Everything should just be. It's up to you, promoter. But no, 
Um, no, I, I'm the same way, Tim. I've always, even going back to GWF days, I liked using what was on the card and just mm -hmm. it, it worked better against power guys and worse against agility guys or the other way around. That's how I always saw it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I minded it on the GWF as much yeah, because you right. didn't know what those guys were really going right, to do. Right, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. but, but when you've got the guys that were actual, you know, real life wrestlers, it's like, okay, yeah. well, he wouldn't do that. So I'm just going to say it's the move on the card and that's what right. I fell into. Right, right. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But even yeah. with some of the, I don't know, as the choice charts got more modernized in terms of moves and having things like a move result or whatever, Mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't even know what what is on those because right. I just I'm I'm just like what's the what what do I need what are the target numbers right right what's needed for the outcome mm -hmm. yep yep well thank you Grant for those very good questions all right for the remainder of this show promoters uh, we got some bonus material for you it's going to be a, a kind of a holiday present to you all uh, we've got some previously recorded audio uh, Chad what's our first segment. Oh, thank you, Corey. Our first segment is Tim and I talking to our friend Iowa Oaks, Matt Johnson, about his kind of unique uh, setup he has for his uh, promotions. And basically, he has multiple timelines within the same promotion. So he has a, he has a vintage, he has a modern, he has all points in between, and it rolls into a, a champion's era fed. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Um, and uh, um, yeah, I, th I think folks will enjoy it. So Please uh, listen up. And it's very unique. Right back. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Chad Olson, and we got Tim Dalton here, too. And today we're talking to Iowa Oaks, a.k.a. Matt Johnson. He is a pretty unique uh, Champions of the Galaxy and Legends promotional setup. So I thought we could talk to him today about, about what that's like and, and just how it works. So, Matt, why don't you... Um, share with us first though i think you wanted to talk about how you kind of got back into champions of the galaxy and legends after being out for a while so why don't you just kind of start from the beginning when did you get involved in, in playing champions or legends and then you know what brought you back into things yeah hi guys um so i i had a, a best friend in high school uh so this is late 80s and i was probably in about 89 or 90 i think um i remember buying two or three sets at once so and i i never played um continuity because it had already started and it was you know i like spike too much so i had to have him playing when i got him <laughs> um so i uh, I played up until 91 or 92, uh, 1991 or 92, mm -hmm. um, when I went to college. And then um, I just didn't have the time when I was in school and then lost my cards. And they were, yeah, they, they were in, they were in the attic of my parents somewhere. And I knew they were there. I just could never get my hands on them or they were thrown out so um my flash forward to uh 2000 uh, so this is probably like eight nine ten years ago um my father uh had been diagnosed with lewy body's disease which is terrible like um dementia related parkinson's 
And I was working a tremendous amount of time uh, at a brewery, uh, long, long hours, and uh, basically keeping their brewery running as a tapper manager, um, and then having to deal with um, partial care of my father, um, a wife having shut down a previous business. Um, my mental state was uh, poor, to say the least. And I remembered as a kid so, so enjoying playing champions. That I was like, you know, hell with it. I'm going to buy up first three or four sets, um, black and white, and got them. And they gave me such a like good distraction. And not too long after that, I actually, you know, got into therapy, um, which was, I don't know, I, I would probably, I wouldn't call it a lifesaver, but it definitely was a life changer. And I like to like couple uh, getting back into champions as like being able to distract me and like a mental help like at the the time I most needed it mm -hmm. um, so I got back in I started playing and then promptly started buying just about every champion set again mm -hmm. and um really 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 have like you know I have a few hobbies and I definitely consider either legends champions like one of those like big hobbies I play strat mm -hmm. just for fun and read comic books and drink beer mm -hmm. and that's that's it <laughs> so in in addition I have been so therapy is very very important and mental health is very very important and I am a big proponent of people um finding that if they if they need it they need to be able to to get that help and um, I going to therapy, one of the things I would be like, Oh, I have this silly wrestling game I play. And mm -hmm. my therapist, she would always be like, well, if, if this is your distraction and this is your help, this is, I, I, this is not, it's not silly. Right. Well, that's really cool. You know, before we started recording, uh, you, you did a walkthrough of your comic book collection too. And, and I said, I've seen a collection like that before. It's called a comic book store. Um, I mean, yeah. it is amazing, like the amount of comics in, in one person's home that uh, Matt just shared with us. I mean, how it's, about a, it's how... a great setup too. Oh I my mean, gosh, you've got them all awesome. separated and in, in you know bookcases and stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. There's aisles, and he's got a reading chair for him and his kitty cats to hang out in and, and yeah. read read comics. Like, um, have you always collected that... comics right from the beginning? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Since I was a. Uh, was... A small kid yeah um and i still have like one of my first like the first issue i consider like my first issue it's captain america number 247 okay um and my dad bought it for me when we were going on a camping trip to keep me quiet mm -hmm. and it yeah uh captain america battles dragon man in it um with john Byrne art when i was young so, hey, hey, we'll just continue the mental health uh, sure. discussion. Sure. So um, so I lost my grandfather when I was in it was early, 
high school and it was a huge, huge impactor. My grandfather being the person who um, not only really got me into baseball, but also got me into pro wrestling. And I remember as a young child sitting on his lap um, watching, I, I'm guessing it was AWA and it was Baron Von Raschke um, mm-hmm. in this match that I remember. And this is my first memory of pro wrestling was watching it with him awesome. and thinking that Baron Von Raschke was the scariest dude I have ever mm-hmm. seen. Um, for whatever reason, um, that iron claw, I guess, um, and the goose stepping maybe. Right. <laughs> uh, so he lost him in high school and um, my father took me to the uh, to the local comic shop in Des Moines and let me buy a bunch of books to just take my mind off the whole thing and the mm-hmm. funeral and all that. And I remember overhearing my grandmother tell my mother that, oh, this is this is a phase. He'll he'll grow out of it. And um, yeah, that did not happen. <laughs> still still waiting, right? Yeah. yeah. I am more of a comic crackhead that now than I've I've ever been. And oh, having owned a comic book shop, um, I was told, if you do this, if you go into selling comic books, it will crush your your love for it and mm-hmm. won't want to read or enjoy them. And I'm whatever happened, I got out and now I am like, I have whole reading lists and how I read comic books has changed and all of this, but I'm still like, I have this, um, I have this idea of just having a complete collection and that's impossible because <laughs> if you, if you, if you finish the, the one thing, um, you will want to have the next thing so i i have a full run of avengers and captain america and fantastic four and hulk in some form of either collected or single issue okay and i'm slowly like rereading i'm in 1987 right now and i i have almost everything that marvel has published through the 80s mm-hmm. and i have i have lists so I will literally read them on a like multi-month. So I'll read like four issues of Captain America and then I'll read four issues of Iron Man. And mm-hmm. I have been, I started during the pandemic and I'm literally reading every single thing that Marvel has published. And wow. that's, I guess what you do when you have a stupid amount of comic books. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's a pretty cool. What, what comic shop did you own? Where was it? Uh, I owned Cup O Kryptonite. Oh, uh, I, on, I bought stuff for me there. Apparently not enough. I'm sorry. Um, I was on the south side of Des Moines. Yeah. And uh, I I opened it. So it was a uh, a New Year's Eve. Uh, and I, I was very drunk and was sitting around with a friend. And I was like, at the time, I... Uh, coffee shops and bookstores were really combining it was like the mm-hmm. thing you would literally you'd go to a bookstore and you would get a cup of coffee and you'd go like sit and like peruse and literally read books in that store i was like 
we need to do something in the industry to sort of like, how can we bring in um, people who just think that comic books are for kids? So we need to show that they're not. And then we also need to like get that whole stigma of comics being this nerdy, um, the two weirdos sitting in the corner. Um, that's that's not necessarily what you know. And, th- and we're talking early, early two thousands. So I opened the shop in two thousand two, and at okay. the time, it they still had such a weird um, comics are dumb and for kids even though they so weren't they were really in the early 2000s when the storytelling really started like mainstream superhero comics really Mm -hmm. started changing for a a much broader audience and independent books have been going for decades but Mm -hmm. they were really starting to come out of the shadows as well and being respected and taken seriously um not just alan moore and neil gaiman like right. Sandman and um, Watchmen, uh, but I wanted a shop that was a bookstore for comic books, and I don't think I ever like accomplished that. There is a shop over in uh, Omaha that is a true like high end. It's called Legends. Um, mm-hmm. It's a high end or higher end and really nice looking like combination of a coffee shop and a comic book shop right. and i've been told they got the idea from me and i'm like oh. well you guys did it a hell of a lot better than i did <laughs> so um you were on floor I, drive I, right by the by yeah. the uh, floor by cinema? the airport yeah, yeah. and i yeah. grew up in norwalk okay on the, which yep. is on the south side of des moines yep so uh when when we opened there were a few comic book shops in Des Moines, but mm-hmm. like one of the more, um, I wanted to give something back to the South side, having grown mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, we were the first brick and mortar coffee shop on the South side of Des Moines. So, oh, okay. Uh, what for whatever that matters. Gotcha. Well, I don't drink coffee, so I was strictly in there buying comics, but I remember going there a few times. So, I think I yeah. I might have completed my run of All Star Squadron from from your shop. That was like my mom brought home All Star Squadron number two when she had been on a trip or something, and just to kind of appease me because she'd been gone. And that started my love with Earth Two and the Justice Society. And I mean, it took me, you know, like twenty five years. And I mean, I wasn't like hardcore searching, you know. But like later, yeah. I'm like going, you know what? I should complete the run of this thing. And I, I might have got that from you, actually. No, it was somewhere in the <laughs> more, it was either you or Mayhem, but I, I don't feel like I was at Mayhem. I felt like I was at one of the smaller shops. So very cool. Well, funny thing, I now I now help out at Mayhem. Uh, right. I I can't I can't not. I, I I love comic books. Like, you know, people are like, ah, oh, you work in a brewery. Yeah it's a job whatever <laughs> i like to drink beer mm-hmm. but i literally will be like oh yeah hey are we done i need to go to my other job which i kind of look at as like comic book therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> uh i gotta go put away comic books for fun oh they pay me too <laughs> that's awesome well, we should probably talk about the about the champions a little bit. Although I do have to say, when you're talking about your grandpa, 
and you said that he also got you into pro wrestling. I was a little nervous that you were going to say he got you into beer because yeah. you know, I, I do know you for your love of beer and, and you share great beer with us when we see you. So we appreciate that. But yeah, why don't you tell us about your promotional setup for your your Phil Singer game universe? Because it is pretty, pretty cool and pretty extensive. Sounds pretty unique. Yeah. So I, I have, I played champions for, you know, in two different settings. Mm-hmm. So as before I said, you know, I had lost those cards. Well, it comes to find out, oh, hey, my mom didn't throw them out. And when she was moving after my father had passed, mm-hmm. um, she had a box and she said, hey, uh, you should come look at this stuff um, before I get rid of it. Uh, there might be some stuff in here you want. And lo and behold, right. the, my original cards were in there. And that's cool. But even more than the original cards being in there were my notebooks with all of my uh, all of my documentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it's a weird thing about champions and legends, right? Like how much you love like stat keeping. Right. This guy had this many title defenses, and this guy, you know, I when Grant puts up before he starts um, on solo promoter, he always. He always has his rundown of all of his champions and mm-hmm. it's this guy held the the title from this it, this and he had this many title defenses that is my like i love that uh, i think we all probably have like ridiculous amounts of notebooks when uh early classics was not yet here i went out and bought another notebook <laughs> to keep track <laughs> um so um, I had not gotten into Legends. I tried, but I just couldn't handle having guys from different eras wrestle mm-hmm. each other. I just, I don't know why I couldn't have uh, the Sandman wrestle uh, George Hackenschmidt. It just, it didn't seem right. So I have a so, question, not, not to interrupt, but I'm, I'm going to interrupt. Um, so when, when you, you said you're a big Strat player, did you play yeah. teams from different eras or did you try to keep them in the same realm? I only play by, by, by year. Okay. So, like currently, that makes sense. Then. Really, you know, it's the same mindset. It is. I, I, and I, I have tried to mix and I just, I don't know. I'm, I think I was called a purist today uh, by a friend and at, at work. And I was like, yeah, I think I, I think I truly am. It's got to be. Um, so, um, so when I when I was, I wanted to get into Legends. So I and I was getting some bootlegs. I, I started buying some of the sets. And as you have more and more bootlegs, you are able to like, wow, how am I ever going to use all these guys? So I decided that in the future the earth for whatever reason mm-hmm. wrestling had been lost mm-hmm. but if they start finding old documents uh tapes or whatever mm-hmm. of a promotion uh that is the continuing uh information that they're coming about so i i wanted to have it set up in eras much like comic books mm-hmm. So there is a silver age, a golden age. Well, I did that with wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I have the pre-legends, the 
which is everything before 1900, which I only have four cards. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's a small fed. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Um, oh, and I should, I should actually pause. So this is all the RWA. So okay. when I was a kid, I created the Royal Wrestling Alliance. Okay. Um, so, so I have the, the, uh, up to 1900, 1900 to, uh, to World War One. Mm -hmm. That is the legends. Mm -hmm. Um, and then World War One to World War Two, which is the Golden Age. Mm -hmm. Silver Age is uh, World War One or World War Two, sorry, uh, to so 1945 to 1960, mm -hmm. and then 1960 to 1970 is the Bronze Age, 1960s, mm -hmm. and then I have a 1970s Fed, and then I have a modern Fed, mm -hmm. which is mostly just 80s because that's when wrestling stopped. <laughs> Um, and then now I will have an early classic, so I will be able to finally tell, um, that story. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there is sort of like when I was playing as a kid and I, all of those records right. are now in my fed history. Mm -hmm. And then there is up through whatever the current stuff I'm doing with champions. So I have tried to keep a timeline of pro wrestling in this alternate universe mm -hmm. so uh it, it's it it keeps that like ever so slight sci-fi element yeah. to um the whole thing that wrestling wrestling came from earth mm -hmm. uh you know as much as any of you know uh brimstone or wherever wrestling is being done not they learned it from earth so that's cool is there any significance to the the Royal Wrestling Alliance, or did you just come up with that when you were a kid and it stuck? Yeah, for whatever reason, that's what I came up with, and it stuck. I okay. have done some weird stuff. Like, I didn't have those notebooks, but when I got back in, there were, you know, and I'm I've got twenty eighty seven and twenty eighty eight. 89 i think were probably the three i bought and um there were things that kept jogging memories from when i was a kid and mm -hmm. one of them was that i wanted more gladiators so massive was a gladiator for me okay. as a kid and he and brute were a tag team and it's a big when tag i got <laughs> yeah um so when I when I got back in, they uh, I was like, I remember these guys. I think I had these guys as a tag team, and it's so weird the memories that you had completely forgotten about. Mm -hmm. You get back into it, and you're able to like, oh yeah, I, it was called the RWA, yeah. And there's a there's a whole bunch of little things, and I honestly I'm sure I played out whole storylines and stuff um, like I did as a kid. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Well, I think the first time I remember meeting you was at the TNT Hall of Fame weekend, and I was standing in line to get my Iron Sheet card autographed, and you saw my card, and you're like, oh, do you play, you know, Legends? And I said, oh, yeah, I do. And and then we started talking about the Duke of Destruction and Red Talon black and white cards that had just come out, <laughs> and I think we both kind of squealed like a, 
like a young middle school girl going to a Taylor Swift concert. So yeah, totally. Yeah. So that that was a good bonding moment. <laughs> I, that's I know there I've seen on the boards many people mention how they are bringing those two into early classics and uh-huh. I I got the cards last weekend and uh Red Talon just pulled off a major upset of uh, uh Black Lash and oh, wow. I it was a total shocker. There's, I mean, so that also, oh, uh-oh, it was also a Snake Eyes roll, so that means automatic feud chart. Um, <laughs> so there was a kerfluffle, and uh-huh. Red Talon, oh, he's going to get his butt kicked, but who comes in? <laughs> Gil the Great. Nice. There you go. <laughs> I mean that that's quite the that's quite the uh the team there with Gil the Great and Red Talon and I think he's mentioned Fabulous Clam might be managing that group. He is, so, yes. So yeah, the the uh, Dorado Sundown at best beware. Yes. <laughs> so when you get a new group coming after him. Yeah. When you Very get a new set of collect. legends, like so you get you get a Legends 11. So with your style of playing then do you slot those guys into their appropriate eras and enroll some matches or kind of what's your, yeah, what's your playing style? What, how are you uh, putting cards together? Well, so I have, you know, ridiculous amounts of stack keeping, mm-hmm. right? Um, I have a Excel sheet that has every single bootleg and every single uh, legends card that I have. Mm-hmm. And they're marked by what eras they can Mm-hmm. They can they can quote unquote wrestle in right, mm-hmm. and then I go through and because some cards I have multiple cards of, they can mm-hmm. wrestle in two different beds, if you will. So, um, I have a bootleg for Wahoo McDaniel, and I also have now the Legends card for Wahoo. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can wrestle in the '60s and the '70s. Mm. Okay. Um, no. Okay. So, um, oh, let's see. I'm trying to think of somebody else here. I've got the cards are over here. Uh, oh, Abdul Butcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would be mm-hmm. a great. So there's a modern and a 70s. Um, and and it gives me the chance to like have a guy be heel and face. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and do different things, different factions, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... It also, like, so I know this has been brought up multiple times. I think on your guys' show last week, uh, you mentioned that, man, those mid-card guys. Um, mid-card and and lower are some of my absolute, those are my favorite wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm always trying to, like, like I, I just brought in a, tv title simply because i wanted to have uh, for the for the 70s bed um simply because i wanted to give something more for the mid card and lower and i won't let people over whatever you know if you've got too many wins you can't compete for this yada 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 um i think it's so like a good fed shouldn't have too many super superstars mm-hmm. just makes for better makes for better uh enjoyment for the fans uh, like my four cats 
pretty much the only ones watching my fed i think <laughs> well it's good too i think you know that way if you don't have a, I mean, if you've got all, and again, it just depends on your personal style. If you like having a fed filled with all the top guys, that's fine too. I mean, there's, you're not playing the, nobody's playing the game wrong. You know, uh, right. I've always said, once you plunk down your money, you could do whatever you want with the cards. You could use them as coasters. You could do whatever you want. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of used my, I, I would do the same kind of setup where I'd have like maybe three or four top guys, a bunch of like guys on that net, you know, I, I'd kind of say, well, who's on the next level. And then you kind of set your fed up and you find your ideal size that you think is, is good. And then, you know, for me, it, you know, that's what I did. And, and I loved it. Uh, Cause then your upsets kind of mean something because it's not just everybody's fighting on the same plane, you know? Also like, I, I, I don't have very many titles, like almost none of the feds have more than a tag, uh, a world heavy, heavyweight champion, uh, and then I finally brought in this TV title uh, into the 70s. But that's that's the only secondary title on any of these feds I'm running. Because for me, I love to try and think out all of the, like, whatever feud is going on and whatever factions are feuding against each other. Um, I, I feel I'm doing the best work for me and the cats uh, when I have compelling storylines for different wrestlers or different factions. And that's my, like, I mean, Tom has talked, Tom Filsinger has talked like for an almost nauseum about the creativity of this. And it truly is like you could, I think a lot of like modern day, um, pro wrestling writers probably could do um they could do themselves some good if they would sit down and play with some cards rather than like try and put this out on a national uh 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 wrestling fed then uh yeah when i when i see some of the people post stuff online i'm like wow that's a hell of a lot more interesting than what's happening in aw or wwe <laughs> um, so so what do you so when you're when you're playing then i mean do you play like a number like a certain number of cards and like one fed and then play the next one or is it like one 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 or i mean how does it how does it work how do you kind of cycle those because you, you've got yeah, a lot of stuff going on i do and it so that's that's how i it's what i'm you know, I get I get a set that has you know like I getting the the latest legends that I'll be right back into the 1970s because there's so many good awesome new guys I can bring into that fed right um for so like the earliest earliest um so that pre 1900 that I do maybe a single match a month and it's because they're going to run out of I, that one's the only one I also like keep track of by month. So if it goes a couple months, then they didn't they didn't wrestle for the title or they didn't have a you know a match to determine who was going to wrestle for the title or any sort of feud that's going on or whatever. Um, that one eventually we will get past and that one will be finished and all the history will be known and we will move into into the next um i 
get excited about one fed and that's the one i play for a month or two months and then get bored with that one try and play out too many um too many feds at once one gets all exciting uh uh, the communists are uh, all the Soviet guys in the 1970s are causing total mayhem. So uh, I get like more interested in those guys going for title for the title or, uh, or whatever. It, it's really like what I want to do at the time, what I feel most like uh, interested. Um, and I don't get the amount of time I would like uh someday i will retire and this is probably what all i'll do and and then my wife will leave me <laughs> <laughs> well i can come down to des moines and we can play play our play our feds and have a beer i know is the strike going to end <laughs> it, it i've ran four card or four shows on my first uh ec classics fed so yeah I'm pretty are, are is this something that can be told? Like what's going on? <laughs> well, yeah, I can share things. Let me find my let me find my result. I mean, the 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 first match uh, I guess would be in my Fed's history would be I can remember who it was. Uh, and Chad, are you playing as this is a prehistory? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I never did anything with the classic stuff, and I went back with with Duke of Destruction and Red Talon and took some of my old results and kind of like rolled an extra match to kind of insert them in there, or you know, like the Duke of Destruction stuff. I'm kind of playing out, you know, this whole feud, so I'm having a few extra matches on on some shows, but I'm just kind of reorganizing things and it's working well. So yeah, the few the first match in my my Fed's history for champions was. Lowry defeating Seamus Pollock or Seamus Pollock, nice. I should say. Yep. <laughs> and then so far, uh, Torn Kalem beat Dale Keller in the tournament pretty handily. And then, oh yeah, this was an awesome match. Blacklash against Screw. And uh, Screw hit his finisher twice on Blacklash, but Blacklash made a comeback and just kept beating on him, beating on him. Finally hit his sundown finisher and won the match. So uh, that was... That, that was a lot of fun. That was a, that was a good match. So yeah, I guess I still have what three matches to go: Omega versus Blood, Morpheus versus Bullwhip, and then I have a tag match with Solar Flare, Moonstrike, and Sar and Trotterus or whatever his name is. So that that's it. So I'm kind of building up to a, a title tournament, you know, finals here at, on card four. And then I'm thinking about having a four team kind of round robin tournament for the tag belts. Hmm. So, yeah. And then I'm going to hold off on Torpor debuting and that he'll like, you know, ambush Sam or, or at a press conference or do, you know, I know the whole thing back then about the classics is it was, it was supposed to be a, a nonviolent, you know, sort of wrestling, but uh, do something where Torpor, you know, does this attack or does something kind of despicable and, Kind of shows that Omega and Morpheus's dream was a little flawed from the whole beginning. So yeah, I'm looking. I know to there it. had been some question about Omega and Morpheus and the cards being, you know, and they haven't faced yet in my fed, but boy, those two are definitely good cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, they Tim, are. Tim was running some stuff. I don't know if you want to talk yeah, about I, that, Tim. 
Yeah, I've got, they actually wound up uh, going to the finals in my singles tournament, uh, Omega and Morpheus. And I'm like, well, there you go. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be, isn't it? Right. Um, and then Morpheus won. Morpheus uh, became my first champ. And didn't they so, make it to the finals of your tag tournament too? And the so semis. then they also made it to the finals in my tag tournament against Defiance, uh, Blood and Jammer. And, uh, but they lost that one. But I just thought that was so cool that, you know, here they are fighting for the title. And then, you know, the next night they're the next next show, they're they're fighting for the tag team titles together, you know. But is uh, there a potential for is this down the line? Will they ever something will happen? Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's like right now I'm also kind of running a team with Commander Sam and Lowry. And uh, you know, Commander <laughs> Sam with with a green alien, you know that's not gonna end well. Um, so I figured, you know, I'd te team them up and this is kind of, this might be what sends Sam off the rails, you know, against the green aliens down the road. So, um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I enjoy playing it. I, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, you know, I, I've got how many cards in am I now? I just pulled up the spreadsheet. Um, I'm 18 cards in and, um, uh, Morpheus lost the title, uh, to, to, to solar flare but got it back um and just finished him off and dorado sundown actually wound up beating defiance um and then beating them again uh, in a two out of three falls to to keep the title so right now my my champs are morpheus and dorado sundown okay but it's fun i was just actually before before i got on here i was just kind of going through and trying to book like the next set of three shows that i do so yeah it's been fun it's been a fun time yeah, one of the things about Christmas, like this is what I, we get these cards and we get them right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And all I want to do is sit and, and play my silly wrestling game. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I'm, I'm booked for the next two nights I, yeah. with stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's funny. You know, I, and Chad and I talk about this all the time, you know, stupid little wrestling game. And by God, look at, you know, I mean, I've known Chance since he was 16 years old. Um, you know, just all the all the friends that I've made through this game and and, and people that I've met. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It absolutely yeah. is. The amount of enjoyment that has come out of this, and like personally, it's been you know like there was high school, there was you know when I most needed this game to come back and help me along, and then now. Uh, this is this is just my very happy escape. Uh, go down to my den. Uh, I will get asked, "Oh, are you? Uh, you want to watch a movie or something?" I'm like, no, I really just want to go uh, go play my wrestling game. <laughs> and the wife has turned to, uh, "All right, that's fine. Go." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, that's what you want, right? I mean. You know, you want yes. to spend time with her too, I hope. Uh, right. but, but, yes. but, but I mean, you know, it, it, it's nice that you've got this little thing to kind of, you know, just do your own thing. Mm -hmm. yep. So I got to yep. ask, has she ever played? Oh, no, no. Okay. But I will say I, I got the, uh, I hadn't picked up the most recent uh, Legends Ladies set. And mm -hmm. I got that as sort of like a tide me over before uh, this most recent expansion. And uh, early classics came so it comes in the mail and this was one of the first ones you really like oh 
who do you have in here? And he was actually looking through. It's like, oh, this is China. Oh, this is... <laughs> and was recognizing go. people. Uh, That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I actually yeah, got my okay. parents to play back in the day when I was, you know, my, my mom didn't like any of the, the animal guys. She was not into anybody that wasn't human looking. Oh, my God. Um, she's just like Stu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it was fun just, you know, sitting down and, and we'd kind of round robin, like, you know, like, I you know, my dad and I would have a match and then my dad and mom would have a match and I'd kind of lead them through it. And then my mom and I had have, so we just kind of go around the table and do a few matches. It was a lot of fun. I know in high school, there were probably more than a few nights when on a Saturday night, I'm at home watching wrestling and playing my game when I'm sure my parents were like, what the hell is wrong with this kid? I mean, we don't want him to be out causing trouble. Right. Yeah. But so I guess this is okay. Why would he be more normal? Right. <laughs> well, hey, we appreciate you being on here, Matt, and talk about your your promotional style. I think it's pretty cool how you've woven it into one constant uh you know consistent timeline i think there's somebody else on the boards who does that as well you know kind of similar i don't know how they what their playing style is but i think i think that's really cool i remember reading the super report a long time ago and i can't remember if we've gotten there yet in our reviews but somebody had in the future the nwa title the nebulous wrestling alliance so <laughs> it's like they took they took the earth-based title and then they got there you know so i could just kind of see this whole you know scenario where somebody digs this old belt out of a box you know at some yeah. point and it's the 10 huh. pounds of gold so I think well i just cool. i just uh something carolyn my wife and i uh, did over the halloween october and november we had we were like okay we're gonna watch all of the uh friday the 13th movies and mm. which i don't recommend doing <laughs> um so jason jason x um, it's the main movie is set like 400 years in the future and they go back to this dead earth and they find Jason cryogenically frozen. <laughs> and that's kind of how I think of my fed as there's a dead <laughs> earth and they, they keep excavating all of this like old, uh, archival footage. Uh-huh. So. Nice. They go to, uh, they go to the mountain where WWE has all the footage locked up. <laughs> <laughs> yes i think we did that friday the 13th gimmick when i was in high school and watched one through six in a row and yeah that was a little that was a little rough but i think they only got rougher with jason takes manhattan and jason in space or whatever yeah yeah and yeah oh yeah yeah they're yeah they're not they're not very good no <laughs> all right hey well we appreciate you being on matt thank you very much for sharing this with us and you know happy holidays to you and your family and, I'm and sure to you guys, talking to you. Soon. Love you. All right. Hey, love you guys, man. Thank Bye. you, sir. Okay. So yeah, that that's how he plays. I mean, Tim, what did you think? I just I just think it's a cool way to set it up. I mean, it's uh, you know, it, it's a very unique idea. Looking at this as all one big game you know right, and that that right. one's going to eventually lead you know that that Luthes is eventually going to lead to spike i mean right. and i think that's just really kind of cool that's, awesome. <laughs> um, that's a unique way of phrasing it i'm, 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 I'm not it. sure Luthes would be too happy about it yeah. but, uh, but that's a different matter wow. um 
but no, I thought it was a really cool way of looking at things, uh, you know, and, and kind of kind of trying to take it and, and kind of put it into buckets, but then, you know, keep it going uh, for the entirety of everything. I just I thought it was a really cool idea and a really, uh, you know, creative way to, to play the game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cool. And, and I will say, and maybe we can save this as an Easter egg. You can do an audio tour of Matt's comic books uh, that he he showed us his comic book setup um, before he walked around the room. And I, my God, and you know, it, it obviously he talks about it in there. But you know, he used to own a comic book store, so mm -hmm. he has quite the collection. He has quite the setup, and he has quite the reading space for his comic books. So it was it was amazing. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you, Matt uh chad what do we have up next so next uh tim and i talk about classics 2074 and 2079 tim wasn't able to be there when we originally recorded with our group in with iowa oaks um i believe that's when tim was on his thanksgiving trip uh, i was down to florida so uh tim as another longtime player we just chat about what it was like when 2079 came out and how we were sworn to see christine of course you know didn't listen uh and immediately called each <laughs> other and then we talked about 2074 and what that set was like too so we will take a listen to that right now all right and continuing on with our uh holiday hodgepodge uh we were having tim on here he was not available the the time a few weeks ago when we talked about classics 2074 and 2079 so we wanted to have tim give his retrospective of these sets so uh yeah tim you want to talk about just kind of like what what was going through your mind what was something going on with the the gwf and the 2074 set and kind of what your reaction was to it you know i thought yeah, thanks chad I, I you know i thought this was really cool because you talked you know we all kind of knew that this whole thing started up in, in, you know, in 74. And then when Tom decided to do a set for like that initial year um, and kind of explain the concept and like all, you know, how everything kind of came together and, you know, came up with this whole galactic wars thing. Um, I just thought it was really a, a cool idea. You know, I like pretty much, I think every, pretty much every classic set I was really into just because it gave you more context around, mm -hmm. you know, what the GWF was, before, well, other than 3000, which was later on, but right. all the other ones, I mean, just kind of, you know, what it was before you even started rolling dice. I thought that was kind of a cool idea to kind of go back and explore some of the, the past history. Okay. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think, you know, 2079 kind of set the table, which we'll talk about a little bit um, with the Omega and Morpheus cards, but, you know, really you go back to see, you know, what was their first challenge back when they had more of an alliance and mm -hmm. uh, who were some of those initial folks in, in the set. So let's start here with, uh, why don't we start with, uh, I mean, probably the main, main I don't want to say bad guys, but main rivals for Omega and Morpheus, Blacklash and Bullwhip, Dorado Sundown. Yeah, I, I just thought this was, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, the cowboy, you know, gimmick has always been kind of a big thing in pro wrestling. And, and so to kind of see it, you know, play out in 2074 i was like oh this is really kind of cool and then looked at the cards and i didn't i didn't play a lot with the with the classic sets i probably did like a show or two like off the books you know i just just to roll them and see what they were like but i mean um you could tell these guys were going to be tough i mean because you know blacklash had the, the singles and the tag finish which now has been kind of combined into one in the the mm -hmm. new uh, early classic set mm -hmm. and then bullwhip with the double finish 
Um, I thought it was a great look for Blacklash. He's just kind of, you know, he looks like an angry, you know, tough hombre kind of guy. And then right. you've got, you got Bullwhip, who's the, who's the muscle, the big dude, you know, that, that, you know, is going to be throwing some people around. And I just thought it was kind of really cool seeing that, you know, they were coming in and they were the ones kind of poking a stick at, uh, you know, Omega and Morpheus and, and mm-hmm. just kind of, uh, um, you know, seeing if they could come in and, and do some damage here and, and, uh, and, and create some problems. Um, but yeah, I really thought they were, were cool. I liked the artwork, uh, um, you know, Bullwhip looked a little bit odd, but I mean, still it, it was kind of a cool, cool look for both guys. I thought. Yeah. Like, as I'm looking at Bullwhip, the way his shoulders forward, he looks like the bulldog and like bugs, the bulldog who would spike, who would kind of walk around. Yeah. Like this, yeah like, you're right. Like yeah. my grand dog Thor does. Uh, yeah, I think just, the hats a little bit doesn't doesn't really look all that great either. But no, it um, looks like he might have lost that hat in a, or won that hat in a bet he lost. Yeah, <laughs> losing yeah. words an ugly hat. Yeah, yeah, but um, but still, you know, and they had the little horseshoe symbol there is kind of like the thing because it was on uh, mm-hmm. I think it was on Black Lash's vest, and then then uh, Boab had a tattooed on his arm, so it kind of cool to kind of you know some little continuity between the right. Um, between the two cards but I, I thought they were a really cool looking team um and i don't remember if i ever ever used them much i i, I know like i said i i i, I might have brought them in and just used them once or twice just right. for for kicks just to kind of see how they did so next we have uh torn calum and santon the loner um you know i i like this i i uh i, I like the you know torn calum i mean that's a Stu lowry guy if you ever saw one in black tights you know right. i mean he's just sitting there coming into to to wrestle you um and i liked him because he had a tough card too yep um and i just remember looking at that going damn he's got some you know he's got some stats on him um and uh i thought it was just kind of cool to have just this guy especially early on in the fed before you got too into all the you know, the different machinations of the GWF. I mean, mm-hmm. to just have a guy come in there in black tights and, and, you know, try and try and beat people. I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, and then Santon, I love the pose. I love the pose on the new one too. It's a great, it's a great, yeah. there's some great artwork. Um, but I really liked it cause it was just different. And he had the, his face covered. So you weren't quite sure what was going on there. Right. And then I think somebody quickly pointed out that he had like, what was it? The same defense as, as uh, massacre. I think same um, offense and defense. I mean, you know, a little bit different on the offense since Massacre are the double finishers, but it, it's very, right. very similar. Um, it's especially, I think, in terms of the move set on level one and level two offense. And then his defense may be the same. Yeah. We're and very, I, so I, I think people, you know, people would point that out. And then, um, yeah, it was just kind of cool to, to kind of figure out, you know, what the hell was this guy? And then you got Headbangers Ball on there, too, which kind of you right. know, takes you back to the whole Gladiator theme. Um, but, uh, yeah, and they used a spike pile driver as a finish. So, again, you got the Gladiator pile driver. Right. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool. And, and you know, what, what's he doing and why is he here? And nobody knows anything about this guy. And, you know, um, you know, I've always I've always said if, if if you've got a guy in the the character's background is nobody knows who he is or where he's right. from or why he's here. That's just you being not creative because you don't know what to do with the guy. <laughs> um, unless you've got a backstory that's going to come out later. I mean, if that's just your whole story is nobody knows anything right. about the guy, that just means you're too lazy to create a story. Right. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I thought that was cool too. And he's, he was kind of feuding with, uh, uh, with Torn Calum in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, yeah, he's, he's another one. I thought, I thought that was just cool with the sword and the whole thing. He just had a really kind of cool look to him. Yep. Um, and so I was kind of interested to, to see how that would play out, but yeah, he had that, he had that tie in with massacre. So everybody, and especially with headbangers ball, you just kind of assume there was something going on there. And uh, next we have uh, my vote for most improved artwork in the new early classic set. And they weren't, I don't think they were bad to begin with, but I think they just look amazing now. And that's cross currents. You know, I always, I like this team and I, I don't know how many old comic book fans. Well, I know we got a lot of old fans, but mm-hmm. uh, how many like old Spider-Man comic readers there were because i always said that that if you look at this artwork this is completely inspired by gil kane's art okay. and gil kane used to do spider-man in like the i'm gonna say maybe late 70s through mid 80s he, he was one yeah. of the artists that was doing a lot of the spider-man books and he had a very unique kind of style and as soon as i saw the poses and just the look of these cards that was the first thing that before i even flipped the backs over to look i'm like this this is like gil kane um and, and so I thought it was kind of a cool gimmick. Um, and then I really, you know, I really liked them. I didn't, I didn't, the art, I, I liked the new art a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not to, you know, and, but I could see where there were, there were just, you know, there were some faults in this, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Um, but just kind of cool how they came from a water planet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of get tag specialists. So this, this would technically be like the, the, you know, the OG of the the tag finish. Right. And that they, they're not really interested in like fighting each other or, you know, in, in singles competition, they just want to do tags. I just kind of a cool way to, um, you know, to, to, to kind of bring them in. And I, I thought that, uh, I thought that they should be a fun team and they're tough. They, they would be tough just because if they get on defense, they got so many opportunities to tag out. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I'm looking at vortex now and he's got eight, ta- eight, eight defensive tags. Right. And, and so does Thetis. And so, I mean, you know, it, it's going to be tough in tag competition to kind of get those guys because they're, they're going to be at least attempting to tag out all the time. Um, but yeah, I thought it was kind of neat having a couple tag specialists and, you know, to, to kind of bring them in and, and do that. And I, I, the Google machine helped me verify that uh, Gil Kane was the artist. Like when I started reading Spider-Man was I was a kid, I, I thought that's who it was, but I mm-hmm. had to double check. And yeah, I can kind of see what you're talking about with that you know, inspirational style. Of, of art. Those are the, those are Marvel poses. I mean, when, mm-hmm. especially is it vortex, I think. Yeah. Like vortex. I mean, that's a Marvel pose, right? Where you've got the guy with the legs spread and he's kind of leaning yep. forward. I mean, that's, that that's trident. just a pose. Yeah. yeah. With the trident. I mean, that's a, that's a pose you're going to see in, in like, you know, Marvel comics all over the place. Right. So. All right. And then finally, uh, the beginning of commander Sam and his, some might say irrational hatred of aliens, the commander Sam versus <laughs> Torpor feud. Yeah. I like this. You know, I, I, I thought this was kind of, cause these were kind of the, the, you know, for, for lack of a better term, the undercard guys, uh, you know, in the set and to see, to see commander Sam, you know, in his, in his rookie year when he wasn't very good. Um, it's just kind of cool. I mean, he could still get the job done with the double finish cause he's got the double zero, but um Boy, it's tough getting there because he just doesn't have a lot of offense going on. Um, got a lot of you know potential uh, ag and power reversals, and then um, yeah, just didn't didn't have a lot of offense working for him. But still fun. I mean, he looks like just a you know like this big 
you know, and I know somebody said about how his head doesn't look like it's the right size for his body, which I can understand. Um, but he does, he looks like a big, you know, like big brutish kind of guy who's mm-hmm. coming in that, that, you know, just doesn't have a lot of skill yet, but, um, who looks like he could toss you around a little bit. Um, and then Torpor, I mean, the first thing I thought of when I saw that card was Creature of the Black Lagoon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of looked at that and like, he's the Gill Man. And so it's kind of cool because, I mean, they are kind of the weakest cards other, I mean, other than in singles, the, um, you know, the cross currents. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because they, they make a great feud for one another because they're both not very good mm-hmm. and um, they're, they're right at about the same level. Right. So I thought that was kind of cool. And um, yeah, and it does kind of give some background to the whole, you know, Sam versus Cygnus and aliens and all that stuff. Um, but this was a really, this is a really cool. I love all the classic sets. I mean, I remember getting these and just, just, you know, being thrilled that we, we were able to kind of take a peek back in the history, you know? Yeah. Um, especially this with this being really the first year that everything kind of started off and Tom coming up with some credible backstory for, uh, you know, how this whole thing kind of, kind of started. Okay, so next we have the the original classic set, 2079. And when when we spoke earlier, um, I talked about how Steve Minskoff had shared with you and I individually that there was a second set coming. There was going to be two sets, but he swore us both to secrecy. So then, of course, right. So we, we immediately both... told each other. Yeah, right. Ah, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, I mean, it was, I thought that was huge. You know, I just remember Steve saying there's going to be two sets. I'm like, what? Yeah. You know? And uh, I mean, this, this set kicked off the whole classics thing with a bang. I mean, especially that incredible Omega artwork. Yeah. And I mean, the whole thing, I mean, you know, I, I mean, when you first got it and then the cards were blue, it was like, Ooh, right. You know, because now all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, something's not the same here. Right. You know? So right. I, I just thought it was kind of a, a I actually thought it was a good idea. And then he did it with the green, with the bash. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but just kind of a cool idea to, to kind of do it, the, the, the ink in a different color, just to kind of set it off a little bit more. Right. And right. then, um, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, Omega just, just great. I mean, you know, you got the whole story behind, you know, Omega and Morpheus. Um, but yeah, I love the Omega art. I think it was a really good, good piece. It looks very proud. looks very, yes. you know, it's very a, it's dignified. a good pose. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, it's almost like a, a Jimmy Valiant pose with the hands on the hips and then staring off into space, you know, um, which if you seriously go back and look at some Jimmy Valiant. Oh yeah, no, I, I know, I know. I, I know? just, that's probably the only time we'll ever compare those two. That's true. That's true. Um, but no, I thought the Omega art, I mean, that just really was so, so cool. And just, um, you know, you see, he's got a zero and a plus three and it's like, holy I, cow, this guy's an ass kicker. Um, but yeah, that was, that was really neat. And the whole story too, you know, just the whole backstory with Kronos and all this mm-hmm. stuff and, um, you know, commissioner Carter and trying to, to explain like, well, you can go to Kronos, but you're not going to remember that you went to Kronos. Right. And, you know, kind of the, the whole situation where, you know, you're, you, you get blanked out so that, um, you know, there, there, there's no record of it and no one, you know, what, what happens on Kronos stays in Kronos kind right. of thing. Um, but yeah, I thought that, I thought that was kind of cool too, just kind of coming up with a, a scenario where it's like, okay, now we've got cards. And if you want, you could play them against each other, you know, mm-hmm. um, what, what, what set? And again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I know I'm terrible. What sets would have been coming out in 92? Would that have been like 2092? Well, if you look in the book, 
for this um, on the would be the third page um, from the inside cover. It actually says that see Revolution 2096 booklet. So it's coming okay. out when okay. 96 came out. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this would have been what? That would that was the set where where uh, uh, Sam and or Warrior and uh, Thantos teamed up again? Or was that 95? No, that was 96. Uh, so yeah, this would be when, uh, I think Revolution 2096 was when Star Warrior and Thantos got yeah. back together because i remember this the flyer for for 2079 and 2096 were combined oh and, yeah and remember okay. it was that pose of them with yep i remember who star i think star warrior had his arms in the air and Thanos arms, was arms up like yeah okay. yeah and it was yep. like you know personal what do i want to say it was artwork just unique for that set and it might have been on the cover of the book too it and was I, yeah so um and then did Morpheus come back in 2097, I think? Yeah, it does because... I think you're correct, yeah. Because in the bio for this says, rather than staying in the GWF as a manager, he disappeared after sight after 2085. Nothing yeah. more is known of him. So that's when we would have got uh, Morpheus coming back to lead. Maybe it was the Citadel of the Elite in 2097. Yeah. With but yeah, it was, it was, uh, Morpheus is just a cool card too. And you could kind of look at him and say, oh yeah, this guy could definitely do some damage. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's sitting there with the double, I, I, double plus ones is a finish. Right. And then, then too, he's got the satanic skull smasher on there. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, we know where that, that, that leads to. Right. Um, but yeah, just kind of really cool. And I, I, the thing I like about the artwork for Morpheus is that he, he, he looks like one of those old style villains that he's going to like kidnap your wife and tie her to the train tracks right because he's got that that the, the beard and it's just that kind of look like he's going ha ha ha, ha. you know right. I mean, he's right. just got that kind of a the thing i mean um and i know people have talked about like well what's he wearing and why is his chest? and i i mean so that that's a little you know that, that that's a little open to interpretation i guess but um, yeah that but, was always kind of weird i mean it looks so I, comic book villainy with the whole yeah. diagonal thing and his hairy chest sticking out the window or whatever. but but then he's got such a classic villain look too just to his face mm -hmm. and i thought gustavich did a great job on that i mean that's just mm -hmm. great you know that that's a great character face you know right right nope i agree but uh, yeah i thought that was cool to kind of kick that off with those two guys yeah so then we have you know really the the tag team that we never knew about or went never saw the exploits of but we're coming back for revolution 2096 star warrior and cosmos yeah. And that, I mean, you know, just to kind of see, you know, Cosmos is Thantos, you know, and, and they had the, the reversals on there as Thantos uh, kind of whether, whether by accident or whatever. And, right. um, you know, and he's on there and they're both like super young guys and, and uh, you know, Cosmos doesn't have the scars or anything or the, the, right. you know, any of the badges of war that he went through at that point. Um, but just cool too, that he was using like a lesser version of the master lock and, and, um, you know, going through all this stuff. And I mean, it, it's just kind of cool too. And and then seeing like the, um, you know, the Star Wars card where he's using like sleepers and he's he, you know, he still got the Nova Blast on there, but right. um, but hadn't come up with the Nova launch yet. Um, mm -hmm. But just kind of cool seeing an early ver version of him. And he just, he just, he does look like that kind of, you know, white meat baby face oh, yeah. character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can and I thought, see... you know, good job on both of those by Snelly. I thought that was that was neat too um 
but yeah, kind of cool using them. I, I remember using them a couple of times as a tag team just to see how they would work and when you would tag in different guys. And because mm-hmm. um, I always enjoyed that with tag teams, trying to figure out like, well, when when would you know I use this guy if he's not just a clear like level one or level three guy? When right. when would I tag him in? And so it's always kind of fun, try, kind of trying to figure all that stuff out when you're rolling the the dice and and and, and playing a couple of matches. So uh, then we get introduced to the Astorians, Tantalus and Parsec. And I mean, I think everybody on the on the prior episode professed their their deep love for these guys. What did you think of them? I, I have some undying love for Parsec and Tantalus, too. I mean, I think we used them in the CWA, didn't we? Yes, we did. They were very successful. Yeah. There. Yeah. And I just I just I just thought these guys were great. Um, I thought their cards were laid out well. I really wish Tantalus didn't have that eight five pin because that hurt him so much. I know. Um, but uh, I mean, it was just such a great look and taste, a great concept with, you know, you know, it's like two guys that are the thing, right. right. You know? And so you immediately, I mean, that's what you, I think you immediately kind of think of mm-hmm. great drawings by Gustavich. I mean, did a super job on these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I'm pretty sure they're Gustavich. Um, but just fantastic. And, you know, you've got kind of the, the, the power guy and and the agility guy. Um, and it just, just made great sense. And I just love the drawings and I wanted to, I wanted to use these guys in my, in my GWF, but at the time I, I, I didn't have the guts to just bring them in Mm -hmm. and I had too many cards that I was using already. Mm -hmm. Um, but just crazy. I, I just love those guys. I mean, I, they were there. I hope, I hope they get a, not a lot of a, a lot of bump, but I hope when, whenever these guys do come out uh, in color, I just, just a, a little, little bit of a bump. Maybe that eight five bullshit a, could go away. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, put that on solar flare or somebody, you know, get, you you know and, and, and hurt them. Don't, don't hurt Parsec and Tantalus. Cause I, I think that they were very popular, at least even too with the, you know, the people that, that we would, we would talk to with the conventions and, and um, you know, that you would, uh, you know, write to us or send us stuff back then because that's what you had to do back then. Right. Um, and it seemed like a very popular team for sure. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then we have, uh, yeah. And I think the art, you know, you brought up who drew them. I'm pretty sure it was Gustavich doing Morpheus, the Astorians, and then Sam, because I thought it was four and four. Mm-hmm. And that Sam drawing looks kind of Gustavich y. Yeah, and that's then, definitely him. I wasn't sure who did Omega, though. I thought Omega was I mean, uh, Snelly. Snelly, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I after after looking at that, I mean, it, it's not, he did some things differently than than he does on some other cards, but I, I definitely, with the pose and the way some things are shaded, that's, I think you're right. I think and, that's definitely and just Snelly. The detail, I don't think we'd see that much detail yeah. in a Gustavich pitch piece. That's true. So yeah, then we have Sam and what I uh, what I profess to be I think one of the greatest drawings ever in Champions history, definitely by Snelly is Mangus, Destroyer of yeah. Humans. Mangus is just I mean what a what a crazy looking thing that is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean he's got the bright like the exposed brain and he's mm-hmm. he's got his eyeballs coming up from his shoulders and it's like what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And, and he had that, that scary- thing I'm, I'm, I'm going to show, I'm going to do a dated pop culture reference here. He's like holding this thing in his hand that looks like one of the weapons from space 1999. Um, I don't know if it's, it's supposed to be like brass knuckles or what it is, but there was mm-hmm. a, there was an old show called space 1999. Um, 
and they used to have like these little gimmicks like this that would would kind of fit their hand mm -hmm. and that would be like their phaser type things oh, um, okay i know there was a show a, called space 1999 but i don't yeah i, I there's it, about the moon that broke out of orbit due to an explosion and just started traveling through the galaxy okay um and then the people that were on there were, were all, you know, kind of just dealing with situations day to day. So um, it was an ad. I, I've gone back and it's on Peacock. Okay. If you I'll do check if it you out. Do, it's on, it, it's pretty bad. Uh, I, I went was, back and started I was, watching. I was between watching the two and four when it was in its, uh, yeah. When it's, it's a run, but it's got Martin Landau. How can I? It does. And his wife too, Barbara Bain is on there and they both were on oh, Mission okay. Impossible together as well back in the early days. Okay. Um, okay. Very good. But uh, yeah, but it, but it, it's, it's just a, I, I watched a few, you know, a bunch of episodes from season one and I'm like, boy, I can't believe I really enjoyed this as a kid. Ah! Um, but I, but I did. Um, but that's what I, I thought of when I saw Mangus holding that thing. I thought it was mm -hmm. like the weapon from, from uh, space Maybe. 1999, but it's, it's cool. I mean, he's in cool body armor and he mm -hmm. just looks like, like just evil. He just yeah. looks like, I mean, with the teeth, the big, huge fangs and everything. Oh yeah. He's scary. And I shit. mean, yeah, he's a scary. I mean, how would you want to? Would you want to get in the ring with this guy? I'd, no. I'd just be like, no, I'm good. I'll take I'll take the count out right now. Right, right. And just go back to the locker room. But, but he was cool. And then again, we got the you know Sam versus the alien again. Right. And this and, time, you know, Sam's bumped up a lot, and so's the alien. So, uh, right. Um, I love the Sam drawing. I thought mm -hmm. Gustavich did another great job on this. He just looks like it. You know, it's just that side view with his arms crossed. Right. And he just looks like like a tough guy. You know, he looks like the guy at the bar. You're like, I'm not going anywhere near this guy. Right. Um, and he just looks tough. His stats were great. I mean, I know you talked about, you know, using him as son of Sam, yep. uh, which we did in the CWA later on. He actually won my Galaxian title uh, briefly, but he did. Um, I think the only thing stopping him was that 7-4 pin. But I mean, he's just got you know, otherwise those solid defense, I mean, he's got a couple days on level two defense. He's got only one down. Um, he's got a plus three finish. I mean, he's just a stud. Mm -hmm. And I, I think getting, you know, three characters that you had in, in the, the first game edition mm -hmm. that, you know, are two characters and, and include, and then, and then Morpheus, but just kind of going back and seeing like commander Sam when he was younger and when he was an ass kicker, Right. Um, and, and seeing Omega when he was like the top, the top dog, mm -hmm. um, just, just a great idea. And I think Tom really just, just nailed it on these. Um, it was really cool because, you know, you'd heard that, that, that Thantos and Star Wars had been tag partners. And so, you know, great, great idea of his just to go back and show you that. And then, oh, by the way, I'm giving it to you again in 2096. Right. Um, but just really super cool. I mean, great choices, I think. Um, you know, just overall great idea to come. I mean, Kronos now has a whole freaking life of its own. Right. Um, um, and and so I think it's just kind of cool to see where things have come from that initial, you know, set back in 1992. Mm -hmm. um, and I like I, I like the drawing on the booklet too. Yeah. You know, the, the, the booklet cover um, just to show like an arena. So you're right. getting this arena that's got windows out into the, into space yeah, or wherever, cool you know, and then, and then you've got the the match going on right in front of you. You got the crowd, you know, and so it's from the crowd's perspective too. So I like right. that. Um, Although it was guy, just kind of a unique. The one guy in the ring has a cape on. 
And you know, we learned one thing from the Incredibles: you shouldn't be doing action poses. No while capes. Cap. Cape. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. You, you don't go. Don't don't go near the airplane. Right. Um, but yeah, and didn't that happen? That happened in Watchmen too, right? One of the guys. One of the guys yeah. got his cape caught in the revolving door, and yeah, during a robbery, and the guy shot they him. Shot him. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I just thought that was a, a you know kind of a neat looking cover to the booklet to start things out and um just kind of really cool going back to the start and and, and just bringing in like the you know because you used to hear you heard that you know omega was this like big deal and then you know when you get his card his first card that you got you know right. the with the scars and he's beat up and you know he looks like he's been been through a lot and obviously he had been um but yeah just really cool i always thought these were were just great ideas to, mm-hmm. to kind of go back and and kind of explore some of the the history of the Federation before we knew what was going on. Um, right. And I you know, think, you know, that enthusiasm has certainly rolled over to the early classic set that just came out because yeah, I mean, you're seeing a lot of, a lot of results on the board uh, from people playing it. And I think people who maybe had left champions and just were doing legends have kind of maybe gotten back into it because it's kind of reignited some of that. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's a great, it, it, I think like Tom said in the, in the booklet too, I mean, it's a, it, it's a great jumping on point again, you know, cause here, yep. you, here you go. I mean, here's, here's everything at the beginning, small fed size, which I think is nice. Cause even mm-hmm. with, with the, the prime cards, you've only got 23 right. cards to use. So, and everybody can fight pretty much everybody for the right. most part, mm-hmm. you know, other than maybe, you know, the cross currents don't want to wrestle singles or fight each other, but, um, just kind of a really cool way to look at this and, and uh, um, you know, now, you know, go, kind of going back and looking at these classic sets, it's fun to kind of revisit them. Be, if, if you've got the, the early classic set too, to kind of, you know, contrast and compare the cards and, right. And, um, and see what changes were made. And then you get some, some new folks thrown in there as well. And, and, you know, Mike's, you got Mike's original cards for early classics too, mm-hmm. that you can go back and look at. So um, yeah, it's really cool. I, I love going back to the blue sets and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just kind of going, going through those. I know, uh, I know Matt came in and, and filled in for me on that podcast and did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's really cool kind of going back and looking at these sets and, and just remembering those days. And, um, you know, and then, like you said, you know, like the, the, we, we'd get the, we'd get the inside scoop from Steve sometimes on some of these things. And, uh, yep. yeah, it was really neat. I just, I really enjoyed these sets and I'm, uh, I'm glad you let me kind of do a little, little, little bit on them because you know i i really was upset that i missed that uh the podcast well i wasn't too upset because i was you know in, you in florida. florida but i was yeah. in sarasota for thanksgiving so yeah uh, so i wasn't that upset but i i i felt bad that i missed the show on that because uh i, I really did enjoy these sets and got a lot of a uh, lot of enjoyment out of them so um so thanks for uh for letting me kind of uh well, throw my course, two cents in on these i wanted to get your opinion because part of the whole you know reason behind this podcast is kind of reliving some of these things as they came out and i enjoy having people you know having you on because you've been there with me since the beginning pretty much you know yeah um so seeing some of these uh, you know it's important to me to get get your take on things too yeah and i like i said you know the 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 big thing i just i I love those historian cards i just like i said i just wish wish they would have been just a little bit not a lot better but just a little bit better because they just didn't seem to be able to compete against some of the like the cards that you had back in 2096 so right 
Right. But I uh, agree. Yeah, but, loads you know, of fun. They were, they were they were tag team specialists, and we'll see how they do now in the in the early classics realm. Yeah. Um, now that yeah, that's coming, that'll up. be fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to see what what happens with this early classics too going forward. All right. Well, we will get going and we'll talk to you soon. We'll have our uh you know regular as regular as we can be episode the the first week of January. Um but this is just kind of a a holiday fill in with some just different stuff and I'll be adding some more audio later too. So, we will uh talk to y'all soon. Thanks everybody. Well, Tim, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Corey, any thoughts on Tim's thoughts? I, I love I love hearing the memories and the behind the scenes and everything behind it. Yes. So, uh, yeah, and it, it was good to always invoke the name of Stephen and stuff. Absolutely. Okay, then for our final segment is a, a, a little interview I recorded with uh, Kevin Butcher about um, what, you know, our, I don't want to say average, just our, you know, a, a regular promoter, not somebody who's kind of on the inside like we are. And I would not even say we're on the inside. We're on the, we got one toe in the water. But, you know, Kevin has embraced that uh, uh, classics era um, and is just running wild with that, kind of like Hulkamania. Um, I'm running over to his the uh, discussion board right now. He started in, you know, October of 74. He's in May of 75. And it's uh, already up to 18 pages on a thread that he started on, let's see, December 15th. So we're not even a month in and he's up to 18 pages. So, uh, you know, you know what Kevin's secret is? He's always had good relationship with the ring crew and their union. That's that's how he succeeds. He's, he's a good man that way. So uh, he, he's really doing some awesome stuff. I encourage you to check that out. And uh, we're going to listen to that right now. And we're going to talk about some other stuff too. All right, we're back here at the uh, Holiday Hodgepodge, and uh, we have longtime promoter Kevin the Butcher with me. Kevin Butcher out of Ohio. How you doing, sir? Good, thank you. All right, well, we're going to talk a little bit today. Uh, some of you may have seen on the boards how Kevin has really embraced the early classic set, and he's up to nine pages. He started in October of 74, now he's in January of 75. So he's, and he's doing a lot of cool creative stuff and weaving in some stuff from the the vast history of uh, Champions of the Galaxy. But before we get to the, the color early classics set, um, Kevin, did you ever play any of the, the black and white classics or Mike Molesky's black and white early classic sets? I got them, but I never really played them. Okay. Never never did any Chronos type cards or anything. So this is kind of your first experience. That. Well, what kind of spoke to you then about this set and why did you, you know, kind of embrace it and run with the ball like you're doing? I'd have to say I'm just very nostalgic mm -hmm. and filling in the prehistory really appealed to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also this is no slam on you. Cause I know you're the stat guy, but mm -hmm. I'm an old guy and the art just got me. Mm -hmm. No. Hey, I like art too. It does. It does not offend me. You would not want my art be smirching a set. Yeah, I think what Daryl Banks did with some of that artwork was incredible. And, uh, you know, being to be a little bit behind the scenes and some of that stuff as it was coming along, especially that Santon art was just yes. amazing. So what are what's some of your favorite artwork in the set? I know there's a poll out there now, but I did not memorize that before we started. 
favorite artwork in set, obviously, pre-mentioned uh, Santon. Mm-hmm. It just jumped out at me. And the Minsons, I really like Trotaris. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Screw. Yeah. And I mean, top to bottom, the first black and white card we saw, Rick and Prince. Right. I think they're all brilliant. Yeah, I, I think it's an amazing job by Daryl Banks. Even Seamus Pollock, it you see him and he's like going, Well, he could he could learn a little bit more, you know. First thing I thought of was uh WCW jobber. Oh yeah. With the mullet. Yep. Yep. And I know people have talked about bringing him, you know, using him in legends as just kind of a generic job guy and uh uh, Carl Zilla went out and created a, a generic Legends era job guy kind of based on this. And, and that's a really cool giveaway that he's done. Um, another one I like is Torn Kalem because just the look on his face, he kind of looks to me not, he doesn't physically resemble, but just the attitude. He reminds me of Ken Shamrock. And that's never a take I had on Torn Kalem before, even though it makes sense because they are kind of similar, you know? I agree 100%. But when I first saw him, mm-hmm. my first take was Randy Orton. Oh, sure. Yeah, I can see that. He's got that lean. I don't know. Yep. Got that confidence and maybe a little arrogance in him. So so what's, um, you know, playing with these guys, um, just kind of start, who were you, who were your first champions once you got your, your promotion going? Well, as I wrote on the board, my, champ, my first champion was very convoluted. I did a normal tournament mm-hmm. and Jammer beat morpheus in the quarterfinals okay beat him clean so mm-hmm. i was like all right so that old thing and morpheus is the first champ is out the window right so it got down to the semifinals it was jammer against commander sam okay they rolled out of the ring and i rolled double dq and i rolled it twice oh no that is so rare in my fed right so that made my other semifinal the finals Mm-hmm. Omega versus uh, K.O. Keller. Okay. But Morpheus backstage politicked. <laughs> I'm sorry because I left out something. Mm-hmm. His match with Jammer, there was a death jump that took out referee Zachary Carter mm-hmm. for 10 moves. Okay. In those 10 moves, Morpheus hit Trip to Hades twice. Okay. And even Very though good. I rolled the pin, even though Zach was out, he pinned him both times. Mm-hmm. But by the time Zach was up, Jammer was in control and won the match. So I had Morpheus backstage politicking that he really beat Jammer and that he deserved to be in the finals. And that double DQ kind of opened the door. Morpheus, or excuse me, Omega being the honorable guy he is, didn't want to take the title. So he faced Morpheus in the finals and Morpheus legitimately beat him. Well, there you go. See, that's that's what you t- call, call turning uh, lemons into lemonade when you're booking, right? Yeah, you got to do something, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool how that turned out. So, uh, you know, one thing you've done, you mentioned Zachary Carter is bring him back and, you know, that being Commissioner Carter down the road. Um, Correct. And that was really cool how you brought him in and, and, you know, have him as a referee. And he's kind of the main, I think he's the main referee in your Fed, right? Um, right. Uh you know, what made you decide, did that just come to you right away that you wanted to do it before you started going or did it hit you a few cards in? 
it hit me a few cards in because I was just okay. typing. I was like, referee took a bump. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, what if Zachary Carter, the commis leader commissioner, actually started as a ref? Mm -hmm. And I just wrote his name in and it was just like an epiphany, nothing mm -hmm. planned. Mm -hmm. So uh, another uh, uh, tie into the future that you had is um, the appearance of a gentleman named Kronos. And I, I must have missed a page because you pointed out this out to me last night. So I went and looked it up and it's pretty cool. Now, who's who's this young man, Kronos, who's bopping around in, in 2074, 75? Well, it's kind of probably just going to be a one appearance thing because Rick and Prince is now with somebody else. But mm -hmm. I just figured he would have uh, an errand boy to carry his yeah. regal attire while he's in the ring. Yeah. And like he, had this, he had this young 17, 18-year-old boy. Because I tried to do the math in my head. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, Kronos. And because I always figured Exo King was kind of older in yeah. 2087, wouldn't right. you? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he was like 20 or anything. I would say he'd been around. He About like probably it. 30. Yeah. And I was like, well, if he was 17 or 18 in 74, that would be perfect. Mm -hmm. And then I had my uh, Power Slam interview right. him. And ask him if he was aspiring to be a wrestler or even a prince. Mm -hmm. And he made the comment that he would love to be a wrestler, but he's not going to be a prince. He's going to be a king. Very good. And for those of us who who may have forgotten, so who, who does Kronos end up being? Exo King. Yeah. Yeah. So very cool. What year? I That's the thing. 95 or 96 when he became King Lear. I think it was 95. It was 94 because didn't he take a year off was in it? 93? I thought 94. 94 it was, was either 94. It was either 94 or 95. Because 94 was the first year of Larry Snelly, right? Yes. That was the year King disappeared. Okay. Yep. So then it was And 95. when Tom brought him back as uh, King Lear, yep. he wrote in his biography that his real name is Kronos. Right. Right. I do remember that. When you texted me about that yesterday, I'm like, going, I don't remember his name being Lear. <laughs> but then I read, as soon as I saw Kronos, I'm like, I know who this is. And it, Kronos with a C, not Kronos with a K, fans, not the, not the uh, futuristic arena, just for clarification. Well, and it makes sense too, because, you know, he's got a kid in, in what, 94, 95, Jack of Diamonds comes in. So, you know, even in, yeah, he would have had to have been, he wasn't 18 in 2087. No. Right. So, right. Yeah. Very good. Anybody else you I've... got lined up to come, come out the tunnel? You don't have to tell us who it is, but have you thought forward to any connections? Not really. Okay. And the one thing Why you not? haven't touched on because we're touching on the base yeah. set, I guess, but I have had such a once I didn't make the connection at first because I got the cards quick. I got them before your podcast uh -huh. and I didn't make the connection. And then when I heard your uh, Uncharted Territory, I'm like, Green Alien, Stu Lowry. Right. I just ran with it since then. Oh, yeah. That's been awesome. And I mean, that was such a cool surprise. Mike and Todd knew about it. And then they sent me the cards. And I I kind of passed over. And they did change the spelling a little bit. Um, but I'm looking. I'm like, huh? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. What the hell? <laughs> So, and I even mess messaged Stu on the board, and I said, mm -hmm. "Dude, if this is annoying me, me tagging you, and me writing like him like this, if it's annoying you in any way, I will stop." 
he messaged me back and said he's having a blast reading it. Keep going. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I think he enjoys that. He's getting he's getting a kick out of it. He's pretty good natured about the the teasing we give him. Because a lot of times it's all those under guys are the most fun to write. Absolutely. And especially when you can when they get on a little streak and like win your TV title and then then they got a belt and a little bit of persona that you created for them. Um yeah, anybody can be a main eventer, but uh given given your undercard guys or midcard guys some some uh character that that's harder to do. Yeah, Paladin Power won my initial tag team tournament and they okay. were on a roll. I think they had without looking it up, five or six defenses, which is really good. They just recently lost the titles to the Mensons. Okay. So, the tag teams, obviously, back then is where little things are thin. So I've kind of filled in with uh, enhancement talent from FTR, uh, Eugenics mm-hmm. Project, and uh, your arch nemesis tag team of uh, New Horizons. Mm-hmm. Matt Dick and Desher's creations. I mean, I love, I love, I love his, I love his creations. <laughs> I'm just joking. We we just have a severe, uh, dis, you know, uh, disagreement over who the star of the show is. Oh, we know it's you. <laughs> no, it's all of us. It's a community effort. Thanks, so yeah. we we just legally can't be on the same show at the same time. But we'll, we'll maybe in 2024. You know what? My ring crew strike has recently ended. I've rolled a few matches, so there's always hope for me and Dick and Desher too. Are you enjoying 2074 and 75? Oh, I mean, I getting to be behind the scenes and read it, I was so excited for those cards to come out. And, you know, and again, I've said before, when even when you're involved in the creation, to finally get the cards and the book in your hands. And um, yeah, I was super excited, especially when I saw like the Pro Prime, the the other undercard guys. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm having fun. I've already had a Really great match between Screw and uh, Blacklash, where Blacklash ate a couple finishers. I think he had five on him, Screw had four on him, and then Blacklash finally hit hit his finish to to get the victory. So it's been fun. But my first match, uh, which you can hear about on Uncharted Territory podcast, uh, is uh, was Lowry versus uh, Seamus Pollock, and Lowry did win. So nice Sc- score one for the green guy. <laughs> but yeah i want to i want to i never played with the classic stuff either about some of the guys into my cwa like the historians I'm like okay they're made out of rock they're still young and vital but um I, i'm very excited too to play with like omega and morpheus and and some of these guys because i never did use the cards so right I'm, I'm looking forward to it and that's another thing that you guys kind of covered on the podcast and i just listened to roll up and they covered it Looking at the cards online with the, uh, what do you call it, photo clip backgrounds, and mm-hmm. there's been a lot of discussion on that. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a fan, but mm-hmm. once you have the cards in your hand, and I'm looking, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's different. They yeah. look they look amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, they talked about. It. I'm I like. I'm not so much into the backgrounds i mean i think that omega drawing is amazing you know and i I get maybe people think it's a little blurry in the background or whatever maybe it detracts but i guess i don't focus on the backgrounds as much but i do agree they all look better when you have them in your hands and um, i'm one for 
I, I'm one for thinking that Morpheus drawing is pretty cool too. You know, I mean, it's different, but it, I think it's pretty cool. I do too. So, I do too. That the only thing I don't want is the backgrounds to overpower the art. Yes. Yeah. They should. They should subtly kind of add to it, but not detract from it. it shouldn't be a distraction. Right. Yeah. So, so what you know, people have brought up with the whole background thing, like having a standard champion's background, um, like in Legends. What do you think about that? I don't know. I think it could work. I don't mm -hmm. see why it couldn't. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I guess that's a discussion for a different day. You caught me off guard. Well, it's it's a question I just thought of too, so I don't really have any answer either. <laughs> I just kind of thought of it. Um, I, you know, my first, my first thought is like the champions guys are so individual and so unique being from this wide variety of planets, right. probably having something like, I do think back to like the, uh, the Aetherans, the three guys, and I think you have the artwork, um, where they all, it's like overmaster and uh, yes. I'm, I'm a little foggy. You know, all the carnage and busted up shit in the back. I think that adds to it, you right. know? So them standing just in front of a GWF background probably would lose some. So I think my initial reaction to that question would be like, oh, keep them individual. I, I would tend to agree with that right off the bat, too. Yeah, yeah. So, well, anything else you want to talk about early classics? What are you looking forward to? What do you, you know, what do you kind of speculate the future of this is? Well, I hope it continues. And I, uh -huh. But the most latest thing that I've let out because I don't see how you could keep it this a secret, even if, because Mike said that Screw and Santon do not talk. Right. And I'm like, I, that ain't going to happen in my fed. Mm -hmm. Yes, Screw has this thing over his mouth. And Mike, how does he eat, by the way? <laughs> but, you know. I, I bet by then you can absorb food through a patch just like nicotine. There you go. And, uh, but I still think he could talk. It would be very muffled mm -hmm. and <laughs> screw let the cat out of the bag because he would know that Santon is an Aetherin. Right. So the galaxy is going ape shit over it, but there's no way to prove it. Right. The only way to prove it is if Santon would say, yes, I'm an Aetherin. Mm -hmm. And I seriously doubt he's going to do that. Right. Or if screw unmasks him. Right. Screw or Santa could come back with you're more of an Aetherin than I am. Mm -hmm. You know, you were a slave, but you ascended. Mm -hmm. You got a cleansing. Right. So we'll see where it goes from there. But that's about where I am. Yeah. No, I just I, I just uh read over that latest post you made and I, I think that's pretty cool. So but, you know he's probably muffled like Bane or something. Right. That's how I see it. Yeah. Hopefully he can you hear him a little bit better than Bane in in uh, Dark Knight Rises because that was that was rough. Right. As someone who was hearing impaired, I could not understand the freaking word he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was rough. So. Well, cool. Yeah, I, I definitely think. Um, I hope the reception to early classics uh, shows to to Tom and Mike that you know this is a era that people want revisited and they kind of continue forward and do them in probably two to three year chunks. I don't need think we need a set for every year. Um, I've kind of gone back through Mike's stuff and and looked at the timeline and and combined it with Tom's stuff to figure out kind of what the, the frequency of cards would be. And I think it'll be 
super well received if this continues on i did the same i don't Mm -hmm. think they would put out another 20 card set no but if they did put out another card 20 card set (laughs) it would perfectly take us to the end of 84 Mm -hmm. oh so you're saying like do all like do 10 years at once I mean, if they did a 20-card set, it would take us to the yeah. end of 2084. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at more from the things of, like, every two to three years and be, like, maybe eight cards or something. And I say this with absolutely no advanced knowledge of anything right. that's going on. So, but either way, I think uh, some fun times are ahead for that. I think so, sir. So, you know, while while we have you on the show here, uh, you're you're also a big Legends fan. Um, what did you think about the, the recent Legends 11 and... I, you know, you've posted your top 10 and it's a very Nikita Koloff heavy set. I'd say it's about, <laughs> it's about a 70% Nikita Koloff on that top 10. Could you do a, a top five with maybe only one? You can use Nikita Koloff twice as an honorable mention, but if you only could put Nikita Koloff in the top five once, who would be your top five guys from, from maybe that set? From that set or the whole year? Well, you know, like, yeah, let's do the whole year. Let's do the whole year because, I mean, there was a lot of great cards this year. Nikita Koloff. Mm-hmm. Paul Orndorff. Mm-hmm. Just because of it. He's Paul Orndorff and his right. impact on Wahoo McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Nikita Koloff. I'm just trying to go off the top of my head, and my memory is right. terrible. Right. Nikita Koloff, Paul Orndorff, Wahoo McDaniel, Kevin Sullivan, just mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I love Kevin Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And Rip Rogers. Oh, very good. Very good. That's a good list. You know where I saw Rip Rogers? Other mm-hmm. people saw him different places, but right. I saw him in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Okay. He was tag team champion with uh, Ted Oates. Oh, wow. They were the Hollywood Blondes in Georgia. Okay. Okay. Very good. So and that would be just, about, what, 82 or so? 83? 80, 81. Okay. Okay. But uh, there's a tag team that I would like. Yes, Ted and Jerry Oates. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Corey, you know, this is the holiday season. We can share. Corey has one of the brothers signed. Um, oh, he does? Yeah. It's just tracking down the other one. And off the top of my head, without looking at our list, I don't remember which one we have. But, um, yeah, that would be super fun. I think, who trained Marty Jannetty? Was it Ted? I think it was Ted. Whoever trained Marty Jannetty is the one who signed, I believe. So. And Ted was the one that teamed with Rip Rogers. There you go. We got another connection. So we have to, well, you know, maybe. maybe... I'm, probably the, I'm probably the only one out there that wants the Oates Brothers. Oh, I bet some guys like Travis Heckle, you know, Mark Taggart, some of those guys like the old school stuff might, uh, Carl Zilla maybe, they might have a hankering for the Oates Brothers too. I mean, I do, and Tim and I, I mean, we both do, and it honestly, they're not someone I've seen a lot of video footage of, but just, I remember their names from the magazines when I started, you know, getting those, and right. you know, I only got the AWA on TV, but I read about all these other guys, and then finally, years later, you see some of them, and you're like, that's not what I pictured, you know? I mean, honestly, right. to, to to I gotta Google because honestly, I don't even know if I know what they look like. Oh yeah, I think I've seen them. They look familiar. Oh, they would be great to have them both in there. So, all right, Corey, that's your that's your assignment for twenty fours. Track down the other Oats brother or the Oak Ridge boys. You can either one. 
we can get them in game too. So, um, you know, top top five. What do you what are you doing with Legends right now? Are you kind of is that on hiatus? Where you're doing classics? Are you playing both at the same time? What I what usually happens in Predator promotions is mm -hmm. I get tunnel vision and I go full tilt. Okay, and that's what I'm doing right now with early classics. Okay, I'm sure at some points I'm going to get burnout. Mm -hmm. I don't stop, but I, I'll just put it aside for a minute and I'll repick up my legends fit there you go yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think you know we have such a a variety of timelines and eras to play right now between you know early classics and the 2139 and, and future shock for champions and so many different legends cards that you could have multiple eras going at the same time and just kind of jump from yeah i, I think it would be harder to do one like to try to alternate you know like Monday night I'm going to play Legends and Tuesday night I'm going to play Early Classic. I think that would kind of be hard to to gear shift through and book well. Just in my right. opinion, that's exactly my thought. You know, uh, give something your full attention, and when you kind of run out of ideas or you kind of hit a wall, sit mm -hmm. it aside and repick up your Nikita Koloff and Kevin Sullivan and go to town. Start. Yeah. Well, now you got you know you made that really cool Fallen Angel bootleg you got that art commissioned and i remember you telling me i'm like going well kevin she didn't really wrestle and you're like just look at the artwork i'm like okay we'll think of something so we put that out through will harrison in the ubu um so you can check with with will if you need to track down that card but yeah between having between having fallen angel and maha Singh and and the controversial purple haze in his corner he's got his army of darkness plus you could throw in others like missing old time Yep, Lord Zoltan would be perfect in there. One man gang. Luna Vachon. Luna, yep, yep. So did it surprise you that I was in your corner straight out of the gate on the purple haze thing? No, no. And I mean I I was kind of joking about the controversy. I mean, I get where some people were like, oh, it's not Mark Lewin, but it is a purple haze that has that works. And still works with Kevin Sullivan and, and makes appearances. And it was somebody who signed. And I was all, I, you know, I guess our view was just, hey, let's get another henchman in there. It's hard to have an army of darkness if it's an army of one, you know? Right. So we just wanted to give him some henchmen. And, and it's a legit thing. You know, I just saw on Andrew's, uh, Anderson's Facebook that they're doing bookings, you know, for seminars together and bring in Kevin Sullivan, bring in the Purple Haze. So. Yeah, and the, I was like. No, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad. Most people were, you know, receptive to that. There was just a few people who were a little, ups I don't know if upset's the wrong word, but disappointed. Because I'm working whatever. really hard to change my, I'm usually Mr. Negativity. Why the, I stop and think anymore. And I'm like, I get it. Yeah. At first I thought it was a joke because your response was very nonchalant. And like, you know, he's a purple haze. We're, I apologize. And mm. I'm like, okay, that ain't real. And no. when I got it, I'm like, oh, it is real. I mean, you know what? I hope, and this is sincere. This is no joke. I hope the worst thing that happened to anyone in 2023 <laughs> was if anybody got upset, I hope that was the worst thing that happened to them. Because holy shit, you're living a good life. Absolutely. You know, one of my best friends has stage four cancer. And, and we just pooled him a bunch of money together so he could go see his beloved Buffalo Bills, you know, uh, uh, down in Kansas City against the Chiefs. And the Bills won in Kansas City. 
you know, and, and, you know, now his goal is making it to uh, Memorial weekend, see his daughter's wedding. So God bless. I hope he you makes know, it. He will, you know, we're all thinking positive, but when, yes. when, you know, when you frame what happens in a game that way, man, that's I like, I, I'm serious. I, I sincerely hope that's the worst thing to happen. Somebody's they got disappointed by that because you are living a charmed life. Absolutely. So. When you put, yeah, when you put it in perspective like that. Yeah. And I know that's an extreme thing, but that's just kind of how I try to live my life and, you know, not worry. And, and, uh, you know, of course we try to, we try to do the best things and I wasn't trying we weren't trying to be deceitful or anything. We were trying to give somebody the purple haze that we had signed. And Andrew yeah. was so excited to be in the game. Like Mike said, he signed twice, but at the CAC, you know, he was giving me promo pics of him in purple haze gear and, and him in reinforcer gear you know, and, and, you know, wanted, wanted to make that happen. So see a lot of people know, but some people don't, these empty guys are really excited about the game. Yeah. Because I, I basically signed one, but I don't have the form. Mm-hmm. So I hooked up with Zeke. Okay. And I don't want to say his name, but mm-hmm. uh, he's not, he's not even a really big name when it comes to Indies. Mm-hmm. He's more local here in the Midwest at Ohio. Right. You might've seen him. But I ain't mm-hmm. gonna say his name. We'll talk off there. <laughs> he is he's messaged me several times on Facebook. Man, am right. I gonna get my card? Right. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, that's out of my hands, you right. know. But yeah, they are super excited to be in the game. They oh, know it. I mean, all the IPW guys, you know, a lot of them are comic book fans. They think it's super cool. Uh James Jeffries is a huge Von Erics fan, obviously. And uh so I showed him the UBU Von Eric's cards and stuff, you know, and uh, um, the other, the other maybe cohort who likes to be included are some of the older guys who never had any merchandise, you know, some of like the early eighties, seventies and going back, some of them like, just like being remembered, you know, That's, and, and yeah. they're honored that way, you know, like a, uh, a guy from the eighties, I almost named somebody. I'm not going to name that. Cause I had a bad encounter with him. Um, even though they're in the game, but somebody like from the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, they might be kind of iffy because they're always hit with merchandise, you know, and some of them don't want to sign because they think there's a lot of money to be made, not understanding the scale of how small Phil Singer games is. Right. Um, uh, no offense to Phil Singer games, you know, but we're not freaking wizards of the coast or are they out of business? Right. That might've been a bad, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> out of business. Uh, Magical well, keep them afloat. Okay, so there you go. Um, they're they're not a huge. We're not a huge gaming company, right? We're pretty grassroots right. and and very enthusiastic fans. So, um, and I get it. You know, they they grew up, went through the business in an era where th- money was to be made off of action figures and shirts and foam fingers and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, some of the newer guys and you know guys maybe who played the game like like Seth Rollins or Brian Danielson or, or Necro Butcher. I bet they get a kick out of having a card in a game. I mean, I know Troy Peterson with that IPW card, he he was pretty excited about that because we played the game together when we were kids, you know? Right. Is Chad Olson excited to be in the game? I, w- I was like flattered and embarrassed when, when Corey <laughs> and Will showed me that. I'm like, what did you guys do? But it yeah, it's cool because people still ask, you know, do you have a copy of your card? I'm like, I got a couple here. <laughs> Will has most of them, but yeah, I, I think it's very cool. I think it's very cool. All right. So what, you know, what were some of your other favorite relations releases by Phil Singer games in 2023 this year? I'm not a big Indies guy. 
Okay. But, and I'm not a misogynist, but I'm not super big on women wrestling. So the women's sets don't excite me. Mm -hmm. But Mike has a sneaky way. I don't know if it's Mike or Tom. I'm going to accuse Mike. (laughs) They like to put a name in a set that makes me buy it. Because I would not have bought that Women of the Indies set if Velvet Sky wasn't in it. Sure. But that one name sold me that set. And I was like, damn it. There you go. And (laughs) everybody was so excited for Joni Lauer, Mm -hmm. which they should have been. Mm -hmm. But I was not going to buy that set. But then Luna got announced. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to buy the set for Luna. Yeah. But there was some good... You know, I think the thing about that women, uh, Legends women set was that there was enough variety from different eras that it, it kind of spoke to people. You know, some people are super excited to get a Joni Lauer card, and some people like the Luna, and some people like the Vivian or the Debbie Malenko, you know? So, um, can we talk for a second and not be 100% positive without being yeah, destructive? Hey, you know what, Kevin? I, I, I think 2023 has been the year of Kevin Butcher turning new leaf. And and looking at things objectively, and me, being objective doesn't mean you're always positive, right? So I'm right. proud of you. So let's talk about things. What's on your mind? Well, on the other board, mm-hmm. Rob Bobian's board, it got started a thread about the gladiators and what Tom did with them in 2139. Okay, because I think people think they can talk more freely on Rob's board is mm-hmm. the only thing. Mm-hmm. That, that I brought that up. It's mm-hmm. on that board. Mm-hmm. It was about the gladiators and mm-hmm. about the direction they went in 2139. Mm-hmm. How Tom made him a hive mind. Oh, yeah. How, how the uh, the dark menace made him look foolish. And mm-hmm. people have just left their thoughts on there. And Drew, who uh, yeah, he was Drew. a Galacticon yeah. champion. You met him yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, good guy. I like him. He made an excellent post. Mm-hmm. He said he thinks the one major drawback to the GWF right now mm-hmm. is maybe not Tom, but the, just the GWF as a whole is too married to the past mm-hmm. and can't evolve and move on. Mm-hmm. Do, I mean, would it not still be the GWF if we didn't have a Titans team? Would it still not be the GWF if we didn't have a Animan team? Right. Instead of exploring all these other places that like Kroll, we had Thrax and Zygon. They were mm-hmm. so daggone cool. Mm-hmm. They were the first people from Kroll. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for FTR and the tongue-in-cheek funny team of the Eugenics Project, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have heard from that place mm-hmm. anymore. You know so, what? I remember. And I know you don't play currently. Right, right. But is the GWF now too married to the past to well, move on? I think some of the stuff that Tom's done recently um, in recent sets, like I like the new Exo King because we've always seen in, in professional wrestling through the hundred years or so that we know about it is gimmicks get recycled, right? Exactly. So stuff, some stuff like that I like, but I remember right. at one of the last Galacticons I was at before Chicago. So it would have been one in Jamestown, you know, maybe 15 saying something to Tom, I go, and, and I kind of had, and I'm not, I, I didn't go as far into it as, as Drew did, it sounds like, but I just said, you know, maybe sometime you just have some, a few editions where there's no gladiators. And he looked at me like I had 
fucking lit the Sheldon house on fire or something. <laughs> like that was nuts. Um, but yeah, you're there are, you know, what about revisiting uh is it Pleades where polarity's from? Exactly. I mean, we talked about what an awesome team Sin and Salvation were, or I would love to see more people from Omicron. And if they've been in and I, I'm not aware, I apologize. Um, so some things like Kraken coming back after being cryogenically frozen, I'm fine with that. I am Be- too. Because I think it's something, you don't do it all the time, you do it once, and it's something uh, a sinister guy like Kraken would do, right? Right. Uh, a, a narcissist like that. But yeah, having, uh, I and I mean, you know, obviously I just made the, the fabulous clam, so I'm a little into the Annie men right now but i i like kind of doing those from a silly side but i i agree you could you could explore other planets and have some of these legacy teams maybe go away for a while because then it makes it more exciting when they come back instead of them constantly ending members you know right no i I think that's a good point what year did you stop playing game wise shit um did you make it to 2100 yeah my my GWF, like my original GWF, never came back from Centra. Okay. Because about that, I think that's about the time I was getting divorced and becoming a single parent and, you know, all that. And then when 2119 came, I played a few cards. Um, And then also with maybe 2122, 23, around then, I... You know, I tried to kind of start up again and did a few cards, but that that's been about it. So. I just I want to put kind of get in perspective what gladiators. Yeah. Now, let's take Spike. Mm-hmm. Let's take Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Let's take Vengeance. You didn't make it to disaster. Well, you. Mm, yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I, I don't you think say I, the gladiators oh, no, he, had because he was in like wasn't he in Centra? Disaster. He came yeah. in. 14 i want to say yeah he did so yeah he would have no i must have used him when i restarted in 2119 because he would have still been right then. yep but with those guys i named wouldn't you mm-hmm. say the athrons have had some of the biggest personalities in the game's history oh yeah absolutely vengeance is a sinister sociopath mm-hmm. uh spike the ultimate egomaniac mm-hmm. mayhem just mayhem yeah and for you to say they're a hive mind I mean, yeah, that was kind of an interesting take on things. <laughs> I'm not like it's not like I tore up my book and threw my cards out, but I'm just like, a, huh? I mean, I, I guess see I'm harping on that too much because yeah. that old cliche, it's your fed promoter, right? Right. The hive mind will not make it into predator promotions, sure. but so I shouldn't even be harping on it. So, but I'm just thinking, yeah. I mean, it could explain why even when the team disagreed, they still were a team, you know, like all the infighting that took place leading up to the civil war. But then if they were a hive mind, unless that was like the hive mind saying, okay, go fight it out and we'll let you pick, you know, you know, it kind of kept them in control with each other. But you got spike turning face for that year, right? You've got disaster joining doomsayer instead of the, or not doomsayer, but, uh, um, yeah. yeah, Doomsayer. Yeah, he did. Yep. Instead of the Gladiators. Now you've got Apex with Diva instead right. of the Gladiators. I'm like, right. would they deviate like that? But Well, maybe if they had a strong enough personality. 
I mean, with Spike, you could say, because he got a cleansing then too. So you could say the cleansing kind of knocked the hive mind loose or something. You know what I mean? I can, always come, I can always come up with an excuse for something, but I can see where you're coming from too. No, that's that's a very good point. So what if if a legacy team like the Gladiators, Animan, or Titans, or the FDF, if they were to leave, which one would you want it to be? Probably the Titans. Yeah. We have never we have never had a GWF without a Titan team. Mm-hmm. Correct. Ever. Now, I'd love to see, like, the Masked Assassins come back, you know, have a, a New Age Masked Assassins or something, you know? Right. That's, you know, so, yeah, kind of rotate out some of the legacy teams and maybe bring somebody else back. Or, like you said, bring in all these. There's a lot of plans to explore out there. No, I think that's a very good idea. Well, let me ask you this. Going back to what have you gotten the most kick out of in my uh, early classics restart? Um, I like what you're doing with Scuff. Um, Squire, <laughs> yeah. Um, I because back in the early days of the er, the royal court, I had different guys, you know, take on. Like, I mean, Lord Nexus was a lord, and I I saw that he was he could be kind of a cocky guy. I mean, I guess almost how like the Rock and you know, it's not what I was channeling at the time, of course. But I had Lord Nexus in the royal court for a while, and he battled. I think he battled exo king for the crown and like so he was in charge of the royal court for a while, kind of like what happened later in 94 95 um I, so i like i like what you're doing with squire and and, and you know scuff the squire of course yep. i love i love the lowry torpor feud that's been fun poor torpor he's more of an enhancement talent than lowry is yeah i don't re i don't remember well, you know what? When I had Torpor in my bed, I already in the CWA, I already had Mangus, so they were a team. So I guess I never realized how terrible Torpor was <laughs> a singles <laughs> card. But in this episode, um, I talked to Tim yesterday, and we went over 2074 and 2079 because he wasn't able to when we originally did it on the podcast. And um, you know, he kind of pointed out how both Torpor and Sam from 74 were kind of lower rung guys you know kind of getting built up so yeah but no it's it's been fun reading your stuff and and just seeing people be enthusiastic when something that's been out you know less than a month and you already got nine pages going on it it's cool <laughs> to see that no and i mean that is a compliment and i mean that people are are really embracing this and you know maybe some folks like me who hadn't played champions a long time are going to get back into it and and other folks are too so that's that's and that's all we what, hope, right? People probably like, how does he do this so much? I'm retired. There you go. The weather's been kind of crappy, so yeah, I've been GWF in it. There you go. And you're you're still a card and dice guy, right? You're not doing it online. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. See, I uh, I guess I patronize not patron. I'm a patron. I'm not patronizing, but right. I still buy the online sets right. just because I'm vain mm -hmm. like that. I like to decorate my Fed. I like mm -hmm. the the, uh, the little pictures. Oh, sure. So that's the reason I do that. No, That's a good idea. I do. I mean, I like it. I, I try to play card and dice, but, you know, some nights if I'm feeling lazy and I have my laptop next to me because I keep my, my stuff in a spreadsheet and a Word doc. I'll just grab the laptop and, you know, roll out a few matches while I'm sitting on the couch, you know, because it's, 
Um, yeah, at this point, we got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff to hollow. So. <laughs> yep. Behind Minnesota Vikings uh-huh. helmet, who are those action figures in a frame? Uh, let's see. Those are my Remco's of Bear Von Rasky and Rick Martell. Okay. And then above them are also Baron Von Rasky and Rick Martell because there was two different uh, styles of it. One of one set came with the AWA belt that looks like the NWA belt. Um, so the one on the bottom is called World Heavyweight Championship. And then on the one on the top is a battle to the finish. And uh, the one on the top I got first, and it's autographed by both Rick Martell and Baron Von Rashke. And then I noticed there was this, I noticed that, I don't know how long I'd had it. I'm like, oh, wait, I don't have a belt. So then I did some research and realized there was two versions of that release. So I had to get them both. Gotcha. Yeah. So then I got the rest of my Remco's over here hanging up on the wall. And they got a ring with some loose guys. So, yep. Yep. This is my clutter cave. What what else is on, on Kevin Butcher's mind? Anything else we need to share with the listeners out there? No, not really. Okay. Okay. I appreciate you asking me to do this. Yeah, hey, I appreciate you being on here. So and I and I appreciate you trying to be just a little more positive in 2023. And I'm sure we'll see that carry forward because you are you're a good guy and you're a good uh fanatic and an, an OG of the game. So it's it's good to have you sharing your message and, and sharing your fed results. So, all right. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on here, Kevin. Happy holidays. Happy new year to you and your family. And I hope uh, we'll talk to you soon. To you too, sir. All right. So, you know, the one thing that I thought um, was kind of neat that Kevin brought up was a discussion about, you know, what are some of these legacy teams within champions of the galaxy and um do we need to have them you know now now that we're kind of mm-hmm. back into the origins era we have the titans we have the society of death we got the gladiators we got the fdf you know we have all of these teams do we really need to and i don't mean need like disrespectfully it's like mm-hmm. but could we use a break from them and i remember when i went to you know i mentioned this in the interview I went to Galacticon, I don't remember the last time I was there that I was I was there in Jamestown, so maybe the 15th one or something. And I said something to Tom about, do you know, maybe we could have a set without the gladiator or something. He looked at me like I had four heads, you know. Uh or I was Mangus. Um and uh I don't know. I mean, I love what he did with bringing uh Kraken back because he is the kind of guy who would cryogenically freeze himself. Yeah. to come back to cause havoc and chaos and pestilence. And by the way, Ted, Ted Williams will be playing left field for the Red Sox <laughs> this year as well. He should. He should. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think about that whole concept? Do, you know, do we always need to have FDF, Titans, et cetera, et cetera? I would love to see, you know, like you say, one year maybe where maybe you have Aethrons, but they're not the gladiators as a team. You know, there are a couple of them feuding with each other they go to other teams you know croc and recruit somebody or something whatever you know tom's gonna tom could come up with something good there um you know i i too i love the kraken return that was that made sense for kraken um but you know i mean you could have people from these planets like you have titans in the gwf but do they have to be a 
team called the Fighting Titans. I mean, that's I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more, you know, some of these super groups just kind of take a break, not maybe disband forever, but just kind of, you know, take, you know, take a year off. Uh, they go to other feds or they're doing other things um, for a while. And then, and then you can reunite them. You know, I think of groups like the NWO and the four horsemen and DX, they would, they, they didn't last forever, but they, they would have their reunions and, and everything. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it, seeing it kind of play out that way. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, if maybe, you know, I, I like the callbacks, you know, I like the Kraken thing. Um, but I, I'm just wondering if, if, you know, a lot of the, the people that play are longtime players, you know, um, so the callbacks kind of get over, right? I mean, it's easy to go back to what's comfortable. It's easy to have gladiators and, in, in, in uh, um, you know, and Titans and, and, and Annie men and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I could, you know, I, I think there was a time when the faction thing was kind of like the thing to do and it's still, it's still around obviously. Um, but it'd be kind of nice if we had had a little bit kind of like the early classics, like where there were no super groups and you were just in there fighting everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that either. Um, but again, I don't play now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so removed from the storylines. I'm not quite sure I'm, I'm lending any, you know, realistic, you know, uh, thought here, but, yeah. um, but it'd be kind of nice just to kind of have something like that where, you know, it wasn't necessarily built around all these groups. And I mean, you could still have a couple that maybe were trying to do some things, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't, it's an, it's an interesting point though. Interesting concept. Yeah. I, you know, I like Tim, I don't, I don't play champions of the galaxy right now. And again, it's just a time thing. I, I'm really enjoying legends. Um, so, I mean, yeah, my opinion's may not be, I might not be the best sample group to ask that, but um, I always just liked, you know, I mean, Tim mentioned the, the early classics or even looking at the original 2087. I liked how you had, you know, guys had their, their teams, but then, you know, like acting on Proteus were a regular tag team, but Proteus would team with Wolf or, you know, like, um, and there were other ones too. Uh, was Beast Rider and Pulsar were kind of considered like allies, right. Or they would team up occasionally, mm-hmm. Vanity um, and Killer Queen. Vanity and Killer Queen. Um, Executioner. Executioner Genghis Khan. and Genghis Khan. Yep. 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 I loved that team. I played the. Shit they were a fun team. team. I I never. I wish I would have played them. I did not. I for whatever reason I just did not. That was one that I I didn't use. Um, and then when since Beast Rider and Pulse are teamed, and you could see that mm-hmm. right, they were both mm-hmm. youngsters. Then I had Pit Viper and Renegade team. That's right. And I called them Roughhouse, and they were like the the you know the wild, and then. Of course, I locked into it when in 2090 the the Beast Rider Renegade joined the Titans and all that baloney. Right, I'd already kind of established that in my fed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, very nice. But uh, like I said, just through pure, pure luck. Um, but yeah, I I loved when there would be like side teams or or side feuds, like when um Executioner and Comrade Terror broke up. So mm-hmm. then, even right. though they're both heel teams, you could have Alien Core against uh the headsman yep. and that was a cool side feud you know mm-hmm. yep absolutely all right well thank you uh, promoters we hope you enjoyed this extra audio and extra content here and with that we're going to wrap up this episode and let's go to our shout outs for the week tim uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil something probably you know in in cory if you have to you can you can bleep this but i i, I would i would ask you not to because i'm okay. gonna make mike molusky angry Okay, and I'm going to spoil that over the Christmas holiday, I did sign Kurt Beyer. 
Uh, so, so there you go. Um, I, I cornered him at breakfast and said, Hey, you know, and I talked to him long ago about it and he said, yeah, go ahead. And I'm like, well, there's a form. And I just never had the form when I would see him. Cause I never knew when I was going to see him. And, and um, you don't just carry the form around. with you. <laughs> I don't say, yeah, I don't just carry a form, you know, a couple forms around in the car and just say, Hey, but you should, because yeah. in case anybody asks you who your greatest feuds are in a grocery store. Yeah. When you're looking at a rutabaga, that's true. You'd be I mean, it happened to Corey. There you go. It happened it did, to Corey all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking at some fresh produce, and by God, there they go. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, but yeah. So so Kurt signed. I hope that's not a uh, too big of a reveal for anybody. Um, you know, it'll it'll be fun, kind of putting his card together at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, there you go. That's the spoiler for this uh, this show. Um, other than that, you know, I just want to wish everybody, I hope everybody, uh, had a, had a great holiday season, uh, and happy new year, uh, to all our listeners and to, and to you guys as well. Um, you know, I hope that 2024, uh, turns out to be a great year for all of us. Uh, other than that, I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, you, you know, we, we have a very loyal, uh, uh listener base and, and we really, uh, are, are thankful for that. Um, and we'll be back again with, uh, whatever episodes coming up. 165 is it 64. next? Wow. 64. 164. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, amazing. We've lasted this long. So, uh, so thanks to everybody and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Tim. Chad. I'd like to thank everybody who listened to 162 and a special thanks to those who took time to commentate on the episode let's see we have lee tournament master kevin t butcher vegas emperor scott the flash norton ttx tkj see that was a lot of letters there matt sinestro 24 throwing toasters and i loved his picture of cooper with sam muchnick i don't know if you saw that that was that was awesome that was awesome uh he takes me goes can i have a picture of cooper i'm like why (laughs) i said it to him i'm like i don't care he goes i'm working on something like okay crimson cross (laughs) The Ram 68. You know, before, I think I was trying to pronounce that as Therum. Yes. I realized, wait, it's The Ram. Yes. Uh, L.A. Wraith and Iowa Oaks. Thank you for making comments and participating in our discussion on episode 162. Uh, Special thanks to Kevin the Butcher and Grant Pachoco for uh, the awesome questions, which form the basis of a lot of our our, uh, show tonight. And uh, I found this video on YouTube and uh Corey's gonna put this in the in the display and i don't know if either one of you have looked at this yet but it's a it's a video celebrating the 30th anniversary of the creation of nhl 94 which nice. is the greatest video game of all time <laughs> him and i used to play the shit out of that game together we did but, with the heel bob kadelski on exactly uh, yeah yep excellent so that's all i got Stuart, we missed you I'd like to say good night. I can't say it though. I can't. No. Nope. Nope. I can't say it. Good night. Good night everywhere. Let's not. Let's not. Uh, let's not segregate or confibulate or interrogate one country. Let's bring them all together in the sense of collaboration and a carefree nation and love and libations in 2024. That's my. That's my Thunderbolt Patterson for the very days. Excellent. Well, thank you, Chad. 
I'll give attention to the other content providers out there. Of course, Sam, Mike, and Todd over at Roll Up, the official podcast of Phil Singer Games. And since our last uh, dropped episode, they have released their 100th episode. So congratulations on that milestone. And great to hear you guys again. Of course, Grant Pachoco over at the Solo Promoter YouTube channel. And thank you also, Grant, for uh, your questions tonight. We appreciate your content. Uh, we also have uh, Steve Tower at After Further Review, Dave Little at Heartland Championship Wrestling, Lee Longpreen, the Dizzy Dice Podcast, Brock Atkinson at Brockster Builds, as well as Brock and Mike's Phil Singer Games Character Spotlight. So thank you, promoters, for sharing so much content over the last year and hopefully in the year ahead as well. And uh, just thank you, promoters, again, for supporting us. As Tim said, hard to believe that we are on episode 163, but we appreciate your uh, enthusiasm and your passion for this show. And thank you, everybody, for clicking, listening, and downloading. We will talk to you again very soon. Hey, promoters, it's Corey again, and we would love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topic suggestions, or any other comments, and we might include your audio in a future episode of Uncharted Territory. There's two ways you can do it. You can go to tinyurl.com backslash U-N-C-T-E-R. Again, tinyurl.com backslash U-N-C-T-E-R. You can click the message button and record up to a one-minute message, and we can include that in a future episode. Or you can email us either audio or a written question at our email address, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. Again, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. Want to show your friends that you listen to Uncharted Territory? Well, head on over to our store at tkostore.com slash collection slash uncharted hyphen territory. You can choose from a shirt or hoodie with Travis Heckle's great podcast cover artwork or a shirt with a design inspired by one of our favorite bands. While there, check out the other great merchandise at TKO, including shirts of several of the top MMA fighters, including Bigfoot Silva, Tim Sylvia, Ensign Inouye, and more. Need a shirt made for your event or organization? Contact TKO, run by Filsinger Games promoter Justin Bulka, aka Pike Mojo, to place your order. Again, that's TKOstore.com. T E E K O Store.com. Insert wolf music. will be joining us here just in a minute too well here i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a uh a little uh tour if okay. i can do this right mm-hmm. if you mm. i'm gonna show you my comic collection oh, okay cool all right so here choo, 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 out of the den mm-hmm. and okay oh, so 
this. Oh, now I got to get this right. Okay, there. Oh, cat toys. Um, so this is the DC collection. Okay. And then we'll go around the corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, some indie books. Okay. Oh, very nice. Okay. Um, and then, uh, ooh, look at these guys over here. That's the expensive stuff up on top. <laughs> um, and then, uh, my reading chair. And okay. Then we'll go nice. Here and then. Oh, hey, hi, tugboat. <laughs> um, and then this <clears throat> is some more Marvel collection in here. Oh my god. So. Yeah, that's the that's the robust. stupid comic collection. I remember I saw something like that once. I called it a comic book store. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. I, I just have mine in banker boxes. <laughs> oh, hey, hi Tim. How you doing? Uh, I was showing Chad my comic collection. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, what's the expensive stuff? What what are the what's what's the high cool. end stuff that you own? Yeah, look. Uh, so, <clears throat> um, these. Each one of these is like a hundred and fifty bucks. Um, so they're all. I mean, you know, these are really, really, really like high end stuff. Oh God, yeah, over is that here. Like the Watchmen stuff there, I saw. Uh huh. Yeah, I got that. Um, guy. Let's see, this guy, I have seen priced at a thousand dollars. What is it? Yeah, I can't it's, see. It. So it is. Oh, cool. It is <clears throat> original. It scans of Wally Wood's original pages. Oh, wow. So these things are, this thing's never been reprinted. And so it's as close as you can get to his original. Whoops, sorry. Um, his original work without buying oh, nice. the original work. Cool. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of these that are. It's also super heavy, <laughs> bright orange. So when I got it, Carolyn's like, "When did you get that?" And I go, "What? Oh, I've had that." Oh, what? it's been there. No, it's just been sitting around. It's good. Fun. It's fucking bright orange. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, I've got, I've got a bunch of my stuff in storage. I, I started collecting when I was young, a youngster, and wound up going back and filling in. I've got like a full run of like Avengers and Justice League from like number one through 150. Oh, on both. Um, I've got like a Spider-Man 14. It's really beat up. I mean, it's, you know, the, I mean, the cover's torn. I mean, but I just wanted to have it to have a Spider-Man 14. Yeah. Um, I think I might have the first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes, but if I don't, I've got like a, a few of the first ones. If I don't have that, because what is it? Adventure 247. Um, yes. If I, if I don't have that one, I've got, I've got others that are, if they weren't the first, they were in the first five or six. Oh, wow. I was big wow. into the group, the group books. I really like those. Those are my favorites. Um, so I, I yeah, yeah, so I, I had a place I used to go when I was a kid. I mean, just to tell you, um, I mean, 
I did so much business with these folks that my mom bought me Avengers number one and two for like, you know, different holidays. And they gave me number three. <laughs> so that's how much money I spent, uh, you know, adding to my collection. And I think about it. I think the Avengers one was 65 bucks back then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Probably a little worth a little bit more now. Yes. Yes. That, that thing alone, depending upon its grade could be. Yeah. I think it's like probably 10 grand or more. Yeah. <laughs> A lot it, more. It's just funny because, you know, I mean, I've, I've never, I've never wanted to get them graded just because I think it's a scam. You yes. know, I mean, you're, you're basically paying because yeah. they, what they do is once you're over a certain value, they charge you like whatever they come up with as the value. Mm -hmm. Then that's, they take like a percentage of that. And I'm like, well, why am I going to pay you up front if I'm not going to sell the book? Yeah. You know, if I'm going to sell the book at some point, then I'll get them graded. Mm -hmm. um, well, and then yeah, the I, comics become baseball cards basically yeah. because then they're just in this sleeve that you yep. can never never look at again i know and that that and i they were all i mean they were all red i mean i they, they were all bought for reading they weren't bought i mean they were bought to collect and, and fill in the collection but i mean you know i bought them to read so i had avengers number one just sitting there reading through it like this you know i mean that's cool but yeah cool cool stuff yeah comics yeah, I mean, having owned a comic shop, it's uh, yeah, it it has become my life now. And and hey, you know, uh, um, my okay, here here's a little. Uh, my wife found out last weekend that I I never had an allowance as a kid. Mm -hmm. And she goes, uh, uh, now now this is really starting to. Now I understand why you <laughs> <are> like this. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky. I was an only, I was a spoiled only child, and my parents kind of indulged all these things and were like, well, you know, if he wants to buy a $65 comic, let's buy him a $65 comic book. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was good with it, you know. Little did they know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, was the, the, the Jason X, was that the one? Because I, this is my like, like my favorite death. Was that where he like jammed somebody's head in like liquid nitrogen? That's the one. And then picked it up and oh. slammed it on the counter oh, and it just shattered. No. It was awesome. I thought that was great. Hang on, I gotta take a call from my mechanic.